Welcome to the Whiskey Stories podcast. It's almost like whiskey archaeology because we've got no new meat spirit of yeah. Rosebank. Uh, well, we do now. But we, we don't have old stuff. We don't have cut points. We don't have ledgers that say this is how you do it, right? Yeah. I love a whiskey station when it gets to this point. This is this is me what whiskey's about. Oh, this is great. Sorry guys, Glenn Gwynn did it again. Done it again. That's it. Bloody good. Welcome along to the Whiskey Stories podcast. Myself, Graham Colgar, and we are back in this small room sandwiched between the bar and the James toilets, and I'm joined with Angus, the whiskey fan, and I have got well it's it's a lost episode. <laughs> Welcome to the lost episode. It's, it's Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> We've got Mike Brown, Mike Brown, global brand ambassador for Ian McLeod Distillers. Mike, thank you so much for, first of all, not roaring at me when I tasted it to say, I'm so sorry, but I think I might have accidentally deleted that episode. And secondly, thank you so much for coming in again. Do you know what? Ge- genuinely, it's a pleasure to be back. <laughs> I mean, I, we, I, I think it's fair to say that if there were Whiskey Podcast Awards, that episode that we did do was yep. probably up there as one of the top Whiskey Podcasts that would have taken gold in all the time. Genuinely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Graham, as award, you know, me and you, award-winning broadcaster, <laughs> we, already, know yeah. it, we know what it takes. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and you there's know. only four people in the world who will ever know that, you yeah, know. Exactly. And we had a good night. We had it a, good, was a night. Bloody good night. And we weren't so drunk that we forgot to record. I believe it was recorded. It was my fault. It was actually. <laughs> it, was, it was recorded, and in, a, in, a, in fact, it was before we recorded the episode with Jody Bucking. I was sitting here trying to get as as you've just witnessed me trying to get everything set up doing <laughs> mic text. Mics weren't working properly that yeah. night, if I remember correctly. We'd finally got everything ready to go, and then I'd gone to hit record, and it popped up on my screen. Something about, I, I didn't even know what the pop-up was. Turns out what it was was basically that I was running out of space oh, on my no. on my laptop. I then just started, and it was just pop-ups, and I said, like, close, close all. Oh, no. Right? And then it popped up to say, and it was just like, yes, no, cancel, cancel, cancel. Yeah. And then I suddenly just realised, and I said, turned to my good colleague and friend here, Angus, I said, I think I might have just deleted uh, the last two episodes. <laughs> and I said, that's okay, Graham, these things happen. <laughs> <laughs> Crack on. <laughs> Do you know what it is? Uh, that's a story, right? You guys are whiskey Well, that's a whiskey story, that's but we story. had had at least two drums in the process of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, please... Uh, Podcast and drink responsibly is probably what we've not done for a while. Yeah. But I mean, regardless, having that happen me just means we get Mike back on again, and we yeah. can we can do it all over again. And without Rossi, uh, you can actually get a word or two in. Oh, controversial! We have had a few messages that the sort of hashtag "Where's Ross" has started to feature <laughs> on the podcast. The t-shirts are coming. He's, he's, yeah, yeah. he's lost. He's, we've lost Ross. Yeah, though. lost. I Ross. don't know where he is. Yeah, he's a lovesick puppy, I think, at the moment. I thought he was sleepy. He's sleepy. He's just back. Sleepy uh, Ross. He's back from. <laughs> he's back from the states. He's back from uh, wedding planning with his good f- lady fiance. Yeah. Um, Minnesota in Minnesota. Is that where it was? Minnesota or Michigan? Michigan. Minnesota. One, of, one, one of those. We've actually one got of quite, the M's. One of the M's. We, we actually. Yeah. I tell you what, I'll be able to do is I was doing it today. I went on it's to Mississippi, isn't it? That's just... <laughs> I went on. To, <laughs> that would be another one. I, I went on to our podcast insights. Um, because good news, as we're recording this on the 8th of February, yep. this week we hit the 1,000 download mark. So a big thank you to my mum for downloading the episode <laughs> 999 times. Do you know what? You can just, I can just, you've just reminded me. It's the 8th of February. It is, I yes. have. It is literally just dawned on me. It is International Scotch Day today. Is it? Today, I am not joking. Today that is, is International just, Scotch you Day. You can Google Why that. Why the hell have you not been doing your homework? <laughs> 
Fuck. This is a whiskey story. The podcast. thing is, you're meant to be the you're meant to be the head researcher. The, the whiskey. I'm head researcher. It's literally just dawned on me. I don't know where I've dragged that memory from. Two, po- uh, two well, whiskey podcasters and a whiskey brand. Well, well, just 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 should, should we not be doing something? Well, Graham, do you know what happened? I saw that it was International Scotch Day. I yeah. thought, let's record a podcast and drink a load of scotch. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Um, international, because there's International Whiskey Day. Yeah, which is a different day that I don't remember unless I'm on that day and suddenly specifically International Scotch Day. I believe day. it's good, International Scotch Day. It's a good job International right? Scotch Day is an annual event celebrated on February the 8th dedicated to appreciating and enjoying one of the world's most beloved spirits, Scotch whiskey. Which is... And here we are today. There we go. There we are. Um, well, it's oh, going to be a great episode. I, I, I suggest that we yeah. celebrate by enjoying and celebrating Scotch whiskey. Right, hang on a second. <laughs> Absolutely. Everybody stop what you're doing. Three, two, one. Welcome along to the Whiskey Stories <laughs> podcast on International <laughs> Scotch Day where we're here with Mike Brown from Ian McLeod Distillers to celebrate International Scotch Day Smooth. with some scotches here Angus there we go Angus Slanger did all the research on yeah. this uh, during the week absolutely we decided and there's no better way to record a podcast in the background oh. diggers between the bar and the toilets than, uh, than the 8th of February to celebrate but yeah we are back it is the um, oh, mate. it is the lost <laughs> it is the lost episode uh, there was plenty I was looking back on my notes because mm. we do keep notes and no, I scribbled down but a not few podcasts. Things. Yeah, we don't keep, we keep notes, but not, I've, I've noted the podcast. So it will be there. Um, episode nine, I believe it should have been. Um, and we, we talked a little bit about, well, I've written down the word pago- pagoda. 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 Yeah, pagoda. that's about right. Yeah. Talk, because I believe one of the things is Ian McLeod Distillers, the brands that you represent, mm-hmm. uh, with Tamdu, Glengoyne, Smokehead. Now, I also believe Rosebank is also on that way yeah well. so uh, we have Glengoyne um, that was our first distillery we got so I mean it's interesting when I, I, I do a lot of master classes I'm very lucky in my job that I get to do a lot of travelling um, I get to kind of go around a lot of different places and and give people whiskey tastings and sometimes I'll turn up um, and it could be that I'm doing a Glengoyne master class could be that I'm doing a Tandu masterclass. Could be that I've got a leather jacket and a baseball cap and I'm doing a smokehead masterclass. Yeah. Or I'll turn up and, you know, there's two different distributors and they both need me. So I'll run and do everything. Or I'll do pan brand. Uh, whenever I do pan brand, which is like um, not what I identify as, by the way. It's pan just, brand. I don't really, I just, it's what they call it in the business, right? Yeah, this is a pan pipe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I identify as a whiskey ambassador, but whenever yeah. I cover all of my amba- uh, ambassadorial duties, and ambassador is such a great word, by yeah. the way. Ambassadorial duties. Ambassadorial duties. Do you have a car with a, a, I want a, a hat. McLeod, do you have a car with Ian McLeod flags on it? I want pleats. I want yeah. pleats and a wee hat. Uh, yeah. It makes me feel important. I if like you, it. And if you go to Barbados, you can be the whiskey high commissioner. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good idea. Yeah. such a good... The drum ambassador. Drum ambassador. The drum ambassador. There's probably a podcast in that. Let, yeah. yeah, there we go. <laughs> probably <Yeah>. is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Hi, so you're, you're, you're traveling around. Yeah, and whenever I do that, so I'm, I'm kind of very lucky, um, but whenever I do kind of like cover the, all of the brands, I try to, it's really tough that how do you do a masterclass with like nine whiskeys that are all completely different? What's your theme? What that pulls it together? Yeah. For me, instead of going through like what would be best to drink in order, because that could be one way of going about it, mm. I would rather do it in kind of almost like chronological order of when we acquired the brands. Right. Oh, so okay. that sort of makes sense. So um, for anyone that's not listening, so I work for Ian McLeod Distillers. Uh, we're the second largest family-owned distillery company in Scotland. Yeah. Um, we've been going since the kind of mid-30s, early 30s. Um, there's some, there is honestly so many stories about Ian McLeod, but also all of the brands that we now represent. 
Uh, one of the great ones will probably be that, you know, kind of early 30s on Sky, where the Ian McLeod brand starts off. Yeah. Uh, in fact, on the other side of this room that we're in, in the wee uh, snug, is that what the way it's called, the wee snug? The snug, yeah. There's a mirror I clocked quite recently, literally on the other side of this TV here, that says McLeod's Isle of Sky. That was the first oh, ever brand wow. Wow, yeah, we had, know. right? So McLeod's Isle of Sky, you know, um, the clan McLeod of Isle of Sky is buying whiskey from Talisker and mm -hmm. other, other whiskeys and kind of blending it because blends are king, right? Uh, and prohibition is happening at the same time. The rumor is, and it, the rumor has never escaped uh, Ian McLeod history, that apparently Al Capone was invited to come to the Isle of Skye and play golf with the Ian McLeod wow. so he could try and convince him to import his whiskey wow. into America for prohibition. Do not let the truth get in the way of a good story. No, absolutely, absolutely. not. That we have no <laughs> proof. However, we do have proof that that kind of thing was happening. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, we've got photos of like Legs Diamond, who's a, another famous Prohibition era um, whiskey smuggler, effectively, he's yeah. walking down the streets in London, you know, importing whiskey from whiskey brokers. And so that's sort of where our story begins. So we, we were making Isle of Sky, um, but we're also, again, we're family owned. Uh, there's another family involved, and that's the Russell family. Right. Now, the Russell family first office is in the first class train, the sleeper going from London to, um, to Scotland. And he's sitting in the office and he's literally waiting for people to come into the office, which is the first class train. Yeah. And he's like, do you like whiskey while you're on the way to Scotland? And filling up his order books. Really? Uh, he then acquires the Ian McLeod brand and buys it from them. I think this is in the 50s, but my colleagues that I work with know this a lot better than I do. Uh, I'm just unfortunately not even a pretty face. Um, <laughs> and so what happens is... We are recording this on video. Ask, yeah, yeah, evidence is here. Um, so what happens is that we buy the Ian McLeod brand. We buy all of the portfolio that comes under that as well. So yeah. I think it's Chieftains, who's another independent bottling that we have. Mm -hmm. uh, and as we get it, Ian McLeod's as we get it, which you might find in kind of um, travel retail and airports and stuff. And so what happens is when we buy the, the brand, we buy the name Ian McLeod, and I kind of we've got this choice, like, do you are you the Russell family? selling whiskey mm. are you Ian McLeod selling whiskey You're Ian, Ian McLeod, McLeod sounds a lot more Scottish <laughs> right yeah, yeah. so we, we stick with the name and then Ian McLeod is kind of born from that you know go through the 60s 70s and 80s we're independent bottlers we're blenders um, we're brokers we're buying casks from different distilleries um, and sort of the middleman between the two of them um, which I know you all know all about Graham uh, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. come on <laughs> don't get us started on whiskey I'm so sorry um, so <laughs> So long story short, we, we kind of end up get, going from the 30s. We don't get our first distillery until 2003. Yeah. Really? So, you know, yeah. Like, you know, real yeah. babies in the game in comparison. Yeah. So, and that was Glen Goyne, wasn't it? That was Glen Goyne, yeah. So yeah. bought Glen Goyne from uh, Edrington. They owned that at that point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, 2003, whiskey. Blends are still sort of king at that point, right? So yeah. single malt is only just starting to take off in the way that it did. So we bought Glen Goyne in 2003. Chronologically, that's where I like to begin in the masterclass. And then mm. um, we bought it. Uh, you know, there's really great stories of, um, you know, my boss, Leonard, um, and his dad, Peter, going in and Edrington not letting them inside the distillery until that money has gone through the account. Really? Uh, and then he walks into the distillery and all of the staff that work there are quite nervous because they don't know what's going to happen. You know, there's you know, a bunch of people have come in and you know bought, bought themselves out. Are they going to lose their job? Um, and the first thing that um, you know, my boss Leonard and his dad says, you know, don't worry, we, we didn't know a thing about distilling. You know, <laughs> exactly. you guys do, you're we the, don't. You're the pros. Uh, yeah, you're the pros. On. You just carry on. You yeah, just do exactly yeah. what you're going to do and, and uh, we'll just help you, you know? And mm. so what happens is then... 
single malt takes off in a big way. And we, we change the output of Glengoyne. So we don't change anything that we're doing. It's the exact same distillation. It's the same setup. And for anyone that's not been to Glengoyne, I would strongly recommend if you're going to visit any distillery in Scotland in this year, yeah. Glengoyne be it because it's well, because, beautiful. You know, I, I think back, for example, Glenallachie, when that was bought over, they immediately said, right, we're changing how we're yeah. making whiskey here at Glenallachie. Yeah. We're going to do the fermentation longer. Exactly. Da, 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 da. Yeah. When it was Glengoyne, it was clearly, no, keep 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 doing what you're doing. Yeah, well, if you've been to Glengoyne, you'll know it's an extremely traditional distillery. And, and, and by that, I mean, okay, fair enough. We're not like Springbank or, um, you know, someone like that is doing their own maltings, but not many people are. But yeah. if you, you look at everything that what they're doing, the distillery itself hasn't changed since 1967. That was the last time it was updated. Right. Barely a computer in the entire place. I think there's three. One of them's the till in the shop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, is, it is literally, you know, manual labor. Uh, so what happened is, you know, to, to confirm this, I was in the distillery quite recently. We had acquired a new mashman from Glen Elgin, which is a kind of Diageo distillery. Yep. Yep. Uh, he'd been a mashman for 20 years. Knew how to be a mashman, fully automated distillery. How do you be a mashman? You push the button. There we go. Easy. Does yeah, it, right? Yeah. I can mash, no problem. Push the button every five, five hours. Push your button. Uh, and so he joins Glen Goyne as a mashman after 20 years experience being a mashman and uh, gets given a dipstick, piece of paper, rope, you know, a uh, hammer. And he's like, what's the hammer for? It's like, well, you know, the body gets stuck in the hopper at the top. you got to get it out somehow. Wow. You know, it's old school. And that, old that's, school. that's kind of Glen Goyne's unique selling point. So Glen Goyne, Gallic, uh, Valley of the Geese, um, you know, beautiful uh, area that it's in as well. It's unique kind of location as well. So it fits right on the line between the Highlands and the Lowlands. That's right. Um, so the road in front of the distillery is the A82, which is the ancient border of the Highlands and the Lowlands. So mm. uh, you can go to the distillery, which is the Highlands, it's a Highland single malt, uh, or you can go to the warehouses, which is in the Lowlands. Um, so That's whiskey geeks love that as well. Yeah, so you're basically on the press. Oh, yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on, the, on yeah. the fault line oh, between yeah. the Highlands and the Lowlands. The Glen Glen for me was mm. first came into my mind was walking the West Highland Way. Yeah, exactly. So we started. The, so I'm, I'm now. Let me get this right. We were walking from Mulgai yeah. to Balmaha. Yeah, yeah, and it was hellish. Yeah, uh, and I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's the why we've got part of the walk as well. That's the easy part. That's well, day one. Well, day one. <laughs> but then the thing is, there's uh, what we. I mean, basically, in true Colgower family, um, we did absolutely no preparation <laughs> whatsoever, <laughs> and we just decided we're going to walk the West Highland Way in five days, neighbour that. Oh, right. Mate. Said, ah, what's walk? It's walking. I mean, you can do it, but <laughs> so we didn't even have. Do you know? Right. <laughs> We, we didn't even buy a map, right, on the first day. We just decided, like, it'll be signposted. It'll be, it was, uh. it was, I've heard there's signposts. So anyway, <laughs> we got to, we're walking past, and at oh one point we'd seen Glen Goyne Distillery, yeah. lovely day, and then we get, and we're thinking, we can't be that far away now. And no map <laughs> to tell islands. us. No, no map to tell us where, where we're at. So we're just looking at it, and of course, phone signal was coming and going, so we yeah. didn't know. Anyway, there's a hill called Connacht Hill. Yeah. Uh, otherwise known as, Colon, uh, is it? Was it colonoscopy hill or something like that? <laughs> it was basically now apparently you've got two options when you do the West Highland Way. You can go round the hill and yeah. it takes you maybe about an hour's walk round the hill yeah. and you end up in Balmaha or you have to go over the hill. And I swear to God, th- th- you couldn't write it. So we we we're st- and we're looking we stopped. What the hell? Like where's there's a hill like we and surely and I say a hill, it's a fairly decent yeah, yeah. sized hill. Yeah. And I'm saying, surely we don't have to go up there. <laughs> and we would have heard about this. And then I was saying, well, where else do we go? The sign, the signpost about half a mile back just said this way. I said, no kidding, right? There's this old boy just sitting 
kind of half lying on the grassy bank as the wee burn was going past. But it, honestly, like a bit of barley in his mouth, sort of <laughs> just sitting there chilling. He had a cigarette, smoking away, and he, there's, he's got a fishing rod out. And I was like, well, we'll just have to ask this boy, eh? I said, excuse me, mate. <laughs> he's like, aye. I says, do you know how to get to Balmaha? Aye. Just up that hill. <laughs> right? So we were like, right, well, we obviously have to go up. Well, we get a quarter of the way up. That guy must have been taking the piss. Yeah. <laughs> no way, right? And then we get, I said, surely, we must have gone the wrong way. We must have gone the wrong way. We must have taken a wrong turn. And Amazing. then we thought, well, we're just going to have to carry on and get up to the next bit. Again, we're thinking, when's this hill going to actually end? You get to the uh, top, and then you're like, then you see Bal Mahad down at the bottom, yeah. and then it's a, a walk down. We got to the pub, right, and we get the first thing, and it's, I mean, it was like 25, 26 degrees that day. Yeah. It was a lovely, lovely day. Not mm. nice for walking 19 and a half miles of <laughs> finished with but the Conic Hill. And basically, we got in, and I saw, oh, they've got that Glen. They all have the full the pub in Balmaha will have the full collection of Glen Goyne, as you could probably imagine. Yeah. And that was, I said, I'll try that Glen Goyne. Massive pint of lager, nice little whiskey at the side, and that kind of was yeah. the perfect anaesthetic after a day like that. And no one <laughs> will find well that we've got another, what, well, what, 96 minus 20 odd miles. So basically, <laughs> aye, whatever we had left. We left Ben Nevis out. We actually met a boy that was doing it in four days Whoa. and I'm finishing with Ben Nevis. Oh, I was like, no. idiot. But, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, look, but Glen Goyne, it did look like a lovely distillery. It's strategically placed. And, you know, I, and I have to say, in the background and things like that, and it has been on the list, I know we, in the previous, I don't know if you can remember actually inviting us in the previous No, I can. No, no, I think that was, it might have been <laughs> We, we remember that. I remember, no. <laughs> I know we genuinely need, we need to get you guys up. Yeah, you also, you also told us to. what whiskey goes into Smokehead, which you told us. Oh, I don't think I did. Uh, for anyone listening, you, well, yeah. you, you, might, you, you, could, you could remind us, but no, I don't want to see this. That was a nice strike, right? I uh, like that. For uh, anyone listening, I actively don't tell people. Uh, but, uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. His lips were sealed, but uh, unless it was whiskey that we were buying him. But anyway, but the thing is, um, Glen Goyne also for in Scottish popular culture is the distillery that features in the, the filming of the, the hit BBC the, comedy the BBC still game, still game. <laughs> it absolutely does now if you look at the era in which they filmed that isn't as well that is just as Ian yeah. McLeod said it would have been yeah. it would have been just, a, just yeah. after I'd have thought it's literally just as and so yeah. we're kind of um, what's really interesting is you know kind of I don't I've not gotten Leonard Russell my boss um, I've not gotten his feedback from this I'd love to hear his version of it but I'm assuming that uh, actually Still Game got in touch with us because it's the one that's closest to Glasgow as well. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. That's how it is the most southerly of all of the distilleries for Highlands yeah. because mm. of how close it is to Glasgow. Course, you can get the X10 from um, Buchanan Street. Is that the Happy Bus or something you call well, it? Well, X10 there and the Happy Bus on the way happy back. Bus home, yeah, 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 yeah. Which um, I don't know why they call it Happy Bus. Can't imagine why. <laughs> I can't uh, imagine um, why. Um, the probably bus. About the same reason. <laughs> 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 they filter through the hill. <laughs> but I mean, the thing is about like that. It's actually the same reason a particular brand of eggs are called Happy Eggs. <laughs> Because, <laughs> because they've just come no, back from Glen Goyne Distillery. No, because the, chick- the chickens are fed <laughs> on the um, on the dis- you know on the, the draft on the draft. Oh, the draft. Okay, it, it, yeah. I was told this once at Glen Fiddick years <laughs> and years ago. Glen Kinchy, sorry, years and years ago, the draft goes oh, to no. chicken farms that 
produce the eggs. Is that and right? That's why they're called happy, happy eggs. eggs. That's there great. you go. There you, there yeah, you yeah. absolutely go. But fun I mean, fact. So there's a fun fact. The interesting part. I, I listened to another podcast that um, the guys from Still Game were on, and they were asked about their favourite episodes to film. Yeah. And that was one of them. And one of the main reasons they said the two episodes they said were that they did. They did say it was the the one about the um, when they went to the distillery, yeah. and the other one was when it was fly. It's the episode Fly Society when they end up going to a big old Victorian country house, country yeah. house, and they're pretending to be oh, beetroot the, farmers. The, yeah, now, yeah, of course, yeah. The thing about it was they said two reasons that this was, these were our favourite episodes. Number one, we were filming on like offset. We were filming on location, on location. Yeah. and they said there was just a giddiness about it. it felt like you were on a school trip. You were getting a wee yeah, bus out, and it yeah. felt great. But the the reason they liked the whiskey one was at one point when they were taking samples and things like that that the distillery was actually giving them uh, real whiskies to drink it, was, saw, it, I, it wasn't tea water no, it was, I have heard some of the staff that, have, that were there when, so only a few are left from yeah. the people that have worked there right and one of them has told me that they were like yeah you're not you're not kind of let's get you some proper whiskey yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I think they I think they put like the guy said I'll put he put like a little orange dot sticker yeah. on the whiskies or whatever to say these are the ones that are not yeah. whiskey these are the ones that are and basically and so the last scene when he's got the bottle and he pulls it out and it's Clark Gable, Gable. Yeah. and he goes quite and he's stolen the bottle but yeah. and he pulls it out with his teeth and spits it away and drinks it but they're playing like they're drunk yeah. but actually said we weren't really drunk but we were of the sort of, we would we'd had a couple of drinks. They were having so, a great time at Glencoin, uh, I think. But I mean, if anyone's still working there, I mean, obviously, complete malpractice for not picking up that the same people were doing the same tour over and over again. So I would probably look into that if I was. Do you know what? I would also, I was I, looking back on that episode as well. I'm like, some of the chat, you know, like filtered through the heather. Yeah. I am like, mm. fil- fil- I mean, is it, is it tempting? Is it tempting when you're doing Sometimes, if there's if I do a tasting in Glasgow and I hear and they hear Glencoin, yeah. immediately fil- ears will prick up and people will want a bit. Just out of interest, is it filtered through the hair? <laughs> like uh, I, uh... I mean, I think I think it's. I mean, obviously, it, that what's quite interesting about, or what's really funny about that is the fact that it did become like a whiskey oh, in Scotland yeah filtered through the heather oh, yeah. for anyone who's maybe I mean, for, for anyone who is not aware of Still Game it was probably the biggest TV programme in Scotland yeah. in the early 2000s I would, yeah. I would it was just it on, huge I would put it on a list of say probably I mean, top Top. Yeah, I mean, there's still I, I, culturally, I, yeah. the cultural I, references to yeah. this day from the still yeah, game. Exactly. And I, I, there's certainly some sort of, there's certainly some ridiculous statistics that some episodes yeah. were getting. This will sound ridiculous to any viewing, any uh, any listeners we have out in India or America. Well, go through <laughs> the, view, the viewing figures were about two million or so forth, and the population of yeah. Scotland is about five million. So, yeah. so to, to put to that put, in perspective, about half the country or two, a third of the country is watching this program oh, yeah, when it's you, coming out. Well, w- before we realised that it was. Uh, international Scotch Day. I was absolutely checking, no. I, 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 I knew all along it was Wait, international Scotch Day. Of course, Day, of course. It did, I, of course. <laughs> but, <laughs> I've, I've had it. I have a calendar at home with a little a little circle around the date and X's. Is that the one with Clark Gable on it? I did look the, today. So as I said, this week, congratulations to the Whiskey Stories podcast. We had a thousand downloads, and thank you to everybody who's listened. That's a big, big yes. thank you from us, and uh, because it's the listeners that support it. But I was able to go into the sort of. Um, the different areas, the the overview and the performance of the podcast, and I can see downloads by location since we started. So, um, United Kingdom seven hundred and eighty, as you can probably imagine. Yep. United States one hundred and thirty-three. So, 
you know, Ross's future family are definitely all tuning in. But as I say, we, we can look at even Boston, Memphis, Richardson, San Francisco. So we've had 25 downloads in Boston. Nice. So to our Boston listener or listeners, is that Amy? That <laughs> might be Amy. Uh, Germany is the third highest. We've had 19. So Cologne, nine. So again, one of the things we actually talked about on the yeah. last episode is the fact that our big ambition from day one of this podcast was that we will be doing a Whiskey Stories podcast episode in Germany during the, the Euros. Yeah, and in, we in, will be in Cologne. We'll be in Cologne as well. So our so, Cologne listener, yeah. uh, guten tag, wie geht's? Uh, I'm not going to do every country. No, <laughs> so, uh, but it becomes a bit like the beginning of the, the, the tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> but, we got oh, anyone here imagine. from Fiji? <laughs> but, uh, but even, we've got India, um, Gurugram, Delhi and wow. New Delhi. Big thanks to them. And even, uh, where are we? Russia. Oh, five, amazing. So five downloads in Russia. Quick shout out to Scotia Spirits in Cologne. I did a masterclass Scotia there. Spirits, there yeah, you go. It's like walking into Scotland. It's it's quite surreal. Well, um, Scotia Spirits, big shout to you guys. We'll be in Cologne. <laughs> Angus, you're the reason. We, we would love to be hosted by somebody <laughs> exactly. in Cologne. Oh, if, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll get you in touch with some friends. Yeah. I'll get my people to speak to your people. Oh, and, uh, ta- yeah. Taiwan. We've had in uh, TP, Taipei, in ta- Taiwan. Ta- Taipei. Taipei, that's it. <laughs> Uh, that's my blood. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I mean, it's it's fantastic yeah, to see. Even in Australia, great. we've had five downloads: Brisbane, Gold Coast, Melbourne, and Perth. So oh, gosh, a big thank you to everybody, global family. It's yeah, doing great. so we've like honestly, thank you so much for everybody who has downloaded the episode so far, and we do promise they will get better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not a promise. That was but not, not guaranteed. <laughs> we've started trialing out not having Ross here as well, just to see how the, how the viewing and listening figures go. But no, but all right. So go back to yourself then. Yeah, uh, Mike. So Glenn Glenn, obviously a great history mm. there that you've explained. And mm. yeah. as a brand ambassador, you really do know the story behind it, and that makes a huge difference. And mm. I think we've talked to a few brand ambassadors before. We yeah. even had you on before previously, and we talked about your journey into being a brand ambassador yeah. and things. So what did that look like for you? Was it something that you'd always been keen for? I mean, we haven't addressed the elephant in the room. You don't have a thick Scottish accent. I knew accent. it was coming up. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> so, I've got a regular Edinburgh accent. Can you not tell that, from my... That's uh, pretty, pretty close, <laughs> yeah. But, so, um, what did Professor McGonagall say? I don't have an accent, dear. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I do. I have uh, I have got, unfortunately, I've got an English accent. So that's, no, it's fine. I was born in, um, I was born in Leicester, but uh, I'm, I'm half Scottish and now my dad is Glaswegian and my dad is Glaswegian through and through Glaswegian mm-hmm. punk and he was like there is no getting around it son like you are Scottish whether Scot- you want to be or not uh, good. so I was born on, I was basically brought up on a staple diet of haggis iron brew black pudding and Braveheart yeah. and if you cut me open you'll hear bagpipes yes, right. um, I mean I think I think I described it in the last the, the last podcast <laughs> is that we've got the whiskey Scott McDominay uh, here today. Version, yeah. That is exactly uh, how I would describe. Uh, if only, if only I was that good at scoring against but Germany I mean, in being, June. Being that, exactly. <laughs> but being, yeah. being that, so I mean, it is quite interesting when you do yeah. meet people who have uh, a big Scottish heritage yeah. that aren't from Scotland, but almost like that they're almost I have to try harder yeah oh well it feels yeah. like that sometimes but at the same time it mm. maybe means that I've, I've got Scottish relatives yeah. down in, in Australia yeah who, well they're not Scottish they're Australian relatives yeah. who originate from Scotland but they hold on to their Scottish roots oh. more than like they'll look if anyone knew it was International Scottish <laughs> Day today, they'll they be, well they've already celebrated they've already celebrated for the hangover well, <laughs> but, but I, I, things like Nova Scotia over in Canada you yeah, go to these exactly. I mean you've been to Canada recently but you find out they, they celebrate things much harder over there because they feel like they're, they've got more of a draw to it. But, yeah. I mean, was whiskey something that you were 
always looking to try and get into and destined to because if I remember correctly like bar work and stuff like that and even in your family heritage working yeah. in bars is uh, yeah it's a big thing. thing I mean so if you I mean for anyone that's been to Leicester I apologise um, <laughs> but uh, when you're growing up there I mean I grew up in the kind of um, I started working in the kind of you know, mid early 2000s and uh, originally so um, acting is a big background for me mm-hmm. I was big into theatre you know born in a really small council estate in the centre of Leicester and you know my mum was desperate for me to become an electrician or like a spark you know get a trade or something yeah. and I was like no mum I'm going to be good. an actor that's <laughs> good I'm going to join the theatre yeah. uh, and so um, which is usually when I make a joke about it, it was just a stage I was going through um, <laughs> absolutely terrible I actually said that once while on stage because I fell through the stage and that is not just a joke. stage I'm going through stage I'm going through quick thinking so, uh, it's um, so uh, no I did I did go through that that stage and while, while kind of acting, the only job you can do in Leicester as an 18-year-old is bar because yeah. um, there's 300... At that time, there was 350 bars in one square mile. Wow. So an 18-year-old in Leicester, what are you going to do? You're going to go to university somewhere else or you're going to pick up a bar work, right? And it's great for being an actor because I was, I was literally doing, you know comedy shows on a Saturday night in Leicester, um, believe it or not. And then I would be running from that show straight to working in the bar when everyone else is getting drunk and enjoying the end of the show. I'd be going straight behind the bar and pulling pints or making cocktails and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like, I saw it from a different perspective. I kind of saw that it was a wee bit of a show as well. There was a wee bit of that going on. Yeah, so yeah. I enjoyed it. I got a bug for it. Um, and then the, th- the first time I ever saw myself as being like, I could maybe be an ambassador. Um, my assistant manager at the time, who's gone off to become you know, a great bar manager, and I think he ended up working for William Grant at, um, at one point. He's actually just started working for Dutch Bar and Vodka, who got taken over by Ricky Gervais. So, oh, uh, right. Like, proper random uh, <laughs> uh, tangent. So he, he was the first person, I think, that um, started telling me about the history of tequila. But he told me it in a way that I was like, there's more to this than just getting pissed. Yeah. There's there's so much more to it than just having a drink. Yeah. There, there's history, there's craft, there's tradition. There's there's so much more than just going, oh, I'll have a vodka and coke. It's know? interesting. We, we, there's there's two or three people, and I'm probably re- remembering through the haze of our, our interview that we did with you for episode nine, you talking about tequila. But there, you're not the only person that's in whiskey. You're not the first person in whiskey who's yeah. talked to me about tequila and the process. And mezcal as well. Yeah, and, yeah. and, I, and I think when you look at that, and it, mm. like there is, there, the, I don't know very much about tequila, mm. and this isn't a tequila stories podcast. Yeah, because, yeah, of course. But, but it's not international tequila days. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but at the same time, I don't know. It, like when you look at whiskey, and you've just mentioned, you know, vodkas. It's vodka, but you yeah. know, uh, when you look at whiskey or you look at a drink that's had to be go go through a process. You see people mm-hmm. with wine as well. People yeah. like where they find out about the the valley that the wine comes from, or the the yeah. vineyards and the soil and what's making it what it does and how yeah. you do things. It really is funny how or not it, it, how people get drawn into that and with whiskey and yeah. things like that. If there's a tradition, if there's a process, and if there's a, maybe a bit of patience needed yeah. when you need to wait for it to taste as good as it is, it oh, kind totally. of brings people into it, doesn't it? So you, if you can get hundreds of years of history and tradition, right? Mm. And so suddenly, young, you know, eighteen-year-old actor Mike suddenly, you know, starts hearing that there's more than to it that there's storytelling and that's what I did as yeah. an actor so that was that was a big pull for me was being able to tell true stories of what happened with real people right so I, I think there was a wee spark that was ignited there I ended up touring as an actor and then I managed to move into Scotland which was always the plan for me anyway so I started living in Edinburgh um, 
And I eventually found myself kind of uh, after being pushed. How, how, how did your father as a Glaswegian take that? <laughs> a, an act, being an actor or being, being a, an <laughs> actor living in Edinburgh? Edinburgh. <laughs> being an actor in Edinburgh. He was a little bit... Do you know what was even funnier? Was that my dad... My, I won't tell you... I don't tell you what his exact uh, response was. No, I don't. But, but what I would tell you is that my fiance who I met, so she's from Edinburgh. Because uh-huh. yeah. I met her doing acting at the same time as well. Mm. We toured together doing theatre. And um, we, we met and uh, she was like... Um, Oh, you've got a bit of a strange accent. I was like, yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually half Scottish. And she got really excited. So, oh, right, okay, well, uh, where else? I was like, well, my dad's from Glasgow. And she was so sad. Oh, I'm <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry. So although I'm half Glaswegian and it's kind of like my heart and my heart is, is in Glasgow and in Edinburgh, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, and the way, even though I sound really posh and I'm not, it's even, even funnier. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you can, you can draw attachments to places for reasons you know that yeah. it's quite interesting uh, from Kirkcaldy you either get you're an Edinburgh <laughs> when you live in Fife there's a, the very few people that say I, I, I don't mind both Edinburgh or Glasgow yeah. there's people that I grew up with that will say well, Edinburgh's nah, not for me yeah. Glasgow's where it's at and then you'll get other people that'll be the polar opposite they say oh no I'm, yeah. I don't bother going all the way I know I've got friends yeah. of mine who no, they just enjoyed going to Glasgow, and most of them spend you know once or twice a, yeah, a month they'll be yeah. doing Glasgow for a night out. Whereas yeah. for me and, and a few other people, it's it's Edinburgh. But I suppose when yeah. you you grow you grow an attachment to a place, and for you go, coming up to Scotland, it, you'll definitely feel that. I, 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 I love I love Scotland. Like I really it, I really love Scotland. Every part of it, from the kind of uh, the Highlands, Speyside. The West Coast, in the Isle of Skye, Isle of Harris, Isle of Lewis, you know, even Fife, you know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great place. You should have its own region if you actually listen oh, to the Eden Mill episode. A lot of people, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okta Mukti is going to be one of the next. Okta Mukti, I try to say that, I've done a few drafts, but um, and the best best barley in the world. The best barley in the world. So Lindos Abbey would have you believe. Hands up, not just Lindos Abbey, let me tell you. <laughs> Lindos Abbey and Graham Kilgower will oh, have okay, you believe. Yeah. And the Eden Mill. Oh, and Eden Mill. Yeah, 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 I know, yeah. I know where Kilgower, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I think I think I love Scotland with a passion. I, when, when I lived here, I, I I kind of again. So whiskey's a pull for that as well because it's being able to tell that history and that tradition and being closer to Scotland. You know, long story short, I ended up being um, a bar manager for the Sheraton Grand Hotel in Edinburgh. Yeah. It's a really posh bar. Um, you know, uh, which suited my posh English accent down to a T. <laughs> uh, and it was a gin specialist bar, and and it had a big whiskey selection as well. I always found myself being pulled to, to whiskey because it's kind of in my heart, but I became an expert in gin. Um, within about a year, I was running one of the best gin bars in Edinburgh. And you wouldn't believe that Scotland makes a lot of gin. You know, it's one oh, of the really largest does. producers yeah. of gin in the world. So that's also our story. And, and you know, I ended up uh, after about two and a half, three years of running that bar during a, a pandemic and it was you know, really hard to be a bar manager with no staff in a five-star hotel. It felt like I was almost steering the Titanic while playing the violin while it was going down at the same time. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, so I ended up going, right, do you know what? I'm going to do something that I enjoy. Um, and I became a distillery ambassador for Edinburgh Gin. That's um, right. Just took a, took a hit. I was like, I need to go and do it. Um, and Edinburgh Gin is part of the Ian McLeod exactly. family. Yeah, so we, were, we do own Edinburgh Gin as well. So that's yeah. one of our, oh, that is our gin brand. And so um, a distillery ambassador, again, that ambassadorial word, um, plates and hat and, uh, you know, felt important. A, a, big, a big plate of Ferrero Rocher. <laughs> I, I actually demand now. From when, for, If you lose this episode, for episode three, when I come back, I want Ferrero Rocher. You, you want a big, a big triangle, a big triangle, a big Silver yeah, platter with I would, Ferrero I Rocher. I a huge silver platter. 
of Ferreros. So, so, so basically, <laughs> in through the gym was where you got into Ian McLeod's then. Yes, so that's it. I came in through there and, and I'd, I'd been running a really good bar and I knew cocktails very, very well. Uh, and so I'd been bartending on and off for about 13 years, uh, well, about 11 years at this point. And um, it's a long time. And, and, and then really got into cocktails through uh, being a bar manager there. And, and it was my only out was, was trying to be... Um, trying to trying to get as many good trip advisors and five star reviews yeah. and felt like I was single handedly responsible for keeping that reputation of the bar just by giving people did amazing you, service. Did you invent any cocktails there? Or yeah, I mean quite a few. Um, you'd be surprised how easy it is to invent cocktails, but yeah. I have to say the most popular cocktail that because I, I remember being at Graham's house as a, a nipper <laughs> and trying to invent a cocktail. Vodka uh, um, and brew. I came up with that. <laughs> I've got some dangerous war stories about inventing cocktails. Okay, uh, vodka and brew. Uh, vodka and brew. Came up is with that, that you? I, 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 what did you call it? Oh, what was it again? The ginger. Uh, <laughs> I can imagine it. Uh, ginger nutter. <laughs> a ginger well, I nutter. I distinctly remember that. It's, all of a sudden, that memory is sprung Yeah, making cocktails. Oh, hey, having like fruit juice and uh, <laughs> alcohol and just trying to make a cocktail. Uh, I think it tastes better when we were younger. Yeah. Uh, oh. Oh. Lastly, sorry. Um, sorry. Hang on. <laughs> there the we go. Of the camera. Okay, yeah. <laughs> We still, we still on. We're still on. We're still on. Hello. Still Sorry. We're still on. Like, for the purpose of the camera, we need. Shift it around. Two seconds. <laughs> that was good. It was, no, it's all right. That's. What we're seeing is actually there's a really good service in the diggers, and they do make sure that we need oh, to get glasses uh, cleared and things. No, like right, so thank yeah. you, diggers. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's ideal. That's probably even better. Uh, we, like, sit down, and I'll see if you're on still, Graham. We can edit this back. You're a wee bit uh, cut. Ah, you want to just get out or. There we go. There we go. That there was, we uh, are. That's appearance from the, <laughs> there the lady doing our sterling job behind the bar. Check it to see if our glasses are needing collected. However, Thank you, she, the diggers. The, the camera set up in this tight little room makes it very difficult to manoeuvre <laughs> at the best of times. Yeah. Anyway. But contravening the, all sorts of fire regulations, I'm sure. But let's not... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, so, I mean, we've talked about the Glen Goyne and incidentally, yeah. we've not really talked about the drams that we, we've been having. I'm yeah, enjoying, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we, we should drinking? mention I'm this. enjoying yeah, it. What I guess, what, what were so you? I, I had the Glen Goyne 12. I had the Glen Goyne 10. You had the Glen Goyne 10. Oh, I ended up with 12 somehow. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was so trying was to get your, the same because you... What was your opinion on Glen Goyne 10, 12? Well, very nice. I mean, as I say, I think when we were ordering these at the bar, because I believe you've got some samples with you that we'll be oh, trying later maybe. on. But we had to suddenly hide when the lady from the bar came in and I don't look at them. But um, the, yeah, I mean, as I, I, you mentioned, you used yeah. the phrase breakfast whiskey. Yeah. And I think sometimes breakfast whiskey, people would think, oh, that, that must mean it's no good or anything like that. But no, absolutely not. It's something that's very easy to drink, goes down very, very nicely. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest, yes, sweet, a nice sweetness to it. Yep. Very, very tasty yeah. and flavoursome. Yeah. And uh, as I say, I, I'm very I'm, easy drinking. I've gone, the, from a 12. I've, I've gone for the pair of 10s. Um, because the other one is, as we'll be talking about next, is Tam Do. And uh, the whiskey story that I've had behind Tam Do is it was Tam Do 10 was, I remember it was at the Scotch Bar, um, and it was Chuck, Charles Kerr, yep. if he's listening. He's a mutual but, friend of all of ours, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, Charles Kerr we, we served me, we went to school with Charles, and he, mm. he I said, look, I don't really know. He said, have you ever heard of Tam Do? Ever tried it? I said, never heard of Tam Do at the time. This is, must be about 2016, 17. Mm. And, of course, the beauty of uh, being when you're in the Scotch bar is you get the bottle down uh, at the table. And 
Oh, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And uh, the bottle looked fantastic. It really does have a very distinctive shape to it. It's the way very the elegant. Are. Lovely, lovely bottle. Yeah. And yeah, then I found nice out bottle. that uh, Tamdu 10 was actually becoming discontinued by mm -hmm. the distillery. In which case I went out and I've still got, I think I've got, uh, even the, the when I bought two bottles, mm. and even the, the bottles that they come in, they come in this cool little sort of, Black. Like a wee gift box. Yeah, thing. Yeah. It's, it's like, like a, a kind of uh, it's like a cardboard, but it's no, no, cardboard. it's not cardboard. It's metal. Oh, it's, it's a metal, metal one. It's oh, got a carry metal. on it. Yeah, and it's like a it's like a lamp, and a candle holder. It's, it's hard yeah. to explain. Yeah. But basically, it, I bought loads of them because I thought that's a bloody good whiskey. That's and it's, ten. Yeah, yeah, ten, yeah. And it's becoming yeah, discontinued. Yeah. I also kind of used it uh, at the time, and it's it's you know it's it's great to be able to do this when you have friends and maybe don't like their whiskies or anything but mm -hmm. basically i was like now try this it's a there's a time to 10 yeah now this is going to be discontinued very soon yeah I, I used it as a gifting bottle quite a few times as well for people as well also got my brother into drinking it um and he he really enjoyed it it tastes too. like whiskey that's his anytime <laughs> you're sitting with us is uh in superior or in superior uh, what's it in inferior complex kicks in and he just goes <laughs> smells like whiskey tastes like whiskey and that's it yeah, but yeah. what yeah. i do know is that I'll get that for him if we're in the. Uh, we, in fact, yeah. we, we were in here yeah. on Saturday night, my brother and I, and yeah. we were enjoying a few half and halves. Brilliant. And uh, I saw the Tam Du 10. I said, try that, you'll like that because you've yeah. had it before. And he did, and that was very good. But no, Tam yeah. Du is a, a distillery that has been described. <laughs> Has been described on this podcast <laughs> as a shithole. <laughs> or a complete dumb. I can't remember. Dumb, it, was, it was one or the other. Well, now, but I, I would like to clarify. Now it is it is how do I describe this? And it was one of the first distilleries that when I first took over my job as a uh, whiskey ambassador, my day one on the job was going to Tamdu. And my boss is Gordon Dundas, an amazing bloke. If you ever meet him, he's a whiskey legend. Um, and uh, he turns around and looks around and he goes, eh. It's not the prettiest place, is it? You know, and I thought, it, yeah, but it's it's raw, it's that, industrial, it's it's not a Glengoyne. That's not the point of it. You know, we yeah. don't have a visiting center at Tamdu, so it's closed as a distillery. You can't yeah. visit it three times a year for the Spirit of Spaceside Festival, which is coming up. Yeah. And I won't do a plug because we sold out within about twenty minutes for every single tour. Because we have I, space for our whiskey podcast. Well, you know, come on down, come on down. Well, come on up. We'll look yeah, after you. I'd love to. Come on up. We'll, we'll, yeah, look, yeah. we'll look after you. I mean, you. I think, like I say, I want to clarify. Tamdu, as I said, is, is yeah. one of my favourite whiskies. We've had the Tamdu eighteen yeah. on this podcast yeah. several times as well. You're a big fan enjoying. of. You're a big fan of Tamdu. I love yeah. it. And as I say, I think it was um, Fraser. Fraser's episode. Fraser Sunis. Fraser Sunis. Who? It, and but what he was trying to say is that. Tam do that from a distillery's perspective, and yeah. bear in mind he'd also been talking on that episode of the luxury experience to the McAllen. Oh, the McAllen trip. Oh, the McAllen trip. Okay. Got, I'm taking round in a Bentley. Taking there in the Bentley. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and, yeah. He, and he says so, so. His beat of his job is that he gets to these exclusive visits to distilleries yeah. and gets to meet people like Sandy at the distillery and, yeah. and everyone else. But he said that the the look of the distillery is absolutely nothing compared to the taste of the whiskey and, and how the distillery functions as well. Like yeah. he said, the guy that took us around then made us a meal and then he was like, right, I need to go and 
yeah. need to go to work now. Yeah. And and people live on am I right in saying people live on site? We've or, got eight eight members of staff that live on site. And I think it's probably Gino who you're talking about, by the way, who's an absolute legend. And if he's listening, shout out to Gino. Uh he is like again, it's quite similar to my dad, you know, grew up in Drum Chapel and now he finds himself living on site at like a Drum Chapel named Gino. It's Gino. <laughs> Gino, <laughs> yeah. Gino. Aye. The first time I met Gino. Where are you from, Gino? From John Chapel. You, you can't beat the drum. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, going from that, right, to, yeah. to living on the River Spey, yeah. right, at a, a, a distillery that, albeit for some people who are visiting it, is not the most beautiful, but it's got its own beauty, right? Yeah. And it's a beautiful house that he lives on, um, and his wife home cooks for all of the food that's there as well. You've got eight members of the staff that live on site. It, for me, it's different. It's a different level of beauty, you know. Yeah. You can wake up and go down to the River Spey. We are, it's probably the closest distillery to being on the spay. Really? Um, it's phenomenally beautiful. And the stories of Tamdu, I mean, is it, it, amazing. So how, I mean, how we got, got to kind of acquiring Tamdu. So for anyone that's un, unaware of what Tamdu uh, is, it was effectively the sister distillery of Macallan. Yeah. Um, you know, it was owned by Edrington. It's a big blending house. And what I often say to people is that, um, you know, Macallan was the show pony. Tamdu was the workhorse, you know? So Tamdu was making all of the blends for Edrington, like famous grouse and all that kind of thing mm-hmm. back in the days when blends were king. Um, and what they were doing is the exact same bodegas were producing the exact same sherry casks. And they were filling Tamdu with all of these sherry casks uh, at the same wow. time as, as Macallan. Now, if that isn't prestige enough for you, um, you know, w- what happens is that unfortunately for Tamdu, um, Edrington decided to focus on McAllen's brand, um, you know, and fair play to them if that's what they want to do. Yeah. So they, they focus on building their new visiting center. And in 2010, they closed down Tamdu. At that exact point, Ian McLeod have had uh, Glen Goyne for seven years. Mm-hmm. Single Watts on the rise. We're looking for more sherry casks. Yeah. You know, um, and so we're looking around and we'd already purchased Glen Goyne from Edrington. So we started looking in-house at what else um, Edrington had had and they just mothballed Tamdu. Uh, everyone on site had lost their job. Been made redundant, you know, it's one it'd been been closed and mothballed for one year. Mm. Uh, we walked in again, you know, for a lot of people they say it's not the prettiest distillery. Then it uh, you know, is 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 he's like, you know, mm, you know, am I gonna buy this, am I gonna not, you know? Uh and then he walks into the the warehouse and and his exact words were it was like walking into an untapped mine of oh. Oloroso sherry casks. Oh. Like you cannot even believe it. And so it was a snap decision. Wow. It was an immediate decision. How much? How much immediately? So, um, you know, I don't often tell people this, but I might as well say it on a national podcast. Yeah. Uh, international Scotch Day. International Scotch Day. I think it was Bricks and Stills for, uh, Bricks and Stills for five million um, and uh, the warehouse and stock for seven. And, yeah. you know, and, and that was because the, the warehouse and stocks themselves were, were very special. And then it was, that immediate decision was, let's, Let's do it. Let's be the only single malt in Scotland where the full maturation of every single expression is completely dedicated to just Oloroso sherry cask. Wow. And that's still true to the day. Still true to the day. That's You've what not we do. deviated. There's not a no. Tabasco cask of Tamdu ever going to appear. <laughs> there's, no, there's no Tabasco cask that we have planned unless that was an Oloroso Tabasco cask. But, I mean, because, but, 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 but this is quite interesting because yeah. I think, without wanting to predict what Graham's about to say, yeah. there was a trend and it's a discussion We've had on this podcast where yeah. there is a lot of experimentation in whiskey. We have seen things like oh, tequila yeah. casts, yeah. and especially you know within you know some very traditional Scottish distilleries doing these sorts of things. It's yeah. One of the things that some people have said or it's been said is why don't why doesn't 
Scottish distilleries just focus on producing great Scottish Scotch whiskey. whiskey. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think Tam do is probably the flag bearer for that because you've you've got a strategy you've not deviated from it yeah. you're solely focused on the one thing you're not thinking what's the next that's it yeah gimmick we're, that we can yeah we're not looking pump. for the next pool i mean do you exactly. know what it's it's and as i yeah, share straight, straight down the middle yeah i've been wrongly I always stand up. I've been wrongly accused. <laughs> wrongly labelled labeled as, as a sherry tart. A sherry tart. I, I have no idea where this came from. I'm the exact same. Today. I think it came out of the, Ross, the, the, out, out of the mouth of uh, Ross Barr. Yes. I'm a sherry tart, supposedly. But I have to say that sherry, uh, the balance of sherry and a whiskey is really, really important. And yeah. sometimes it's it's finding the right balance between what's over-sherried and what's not. Yeah. The interesting thing is, and I've seen it happen, and I, I can't remember the reasoning behind why they came to Tamdu, but I've since been at Scotch and I've heard, I remember, uh, Fraser uh, working behind the bar one night when I walked in and he rolls his eyes and goes, oh, here he is again. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I just like to stand at the bar and try and talk to him whilst he's trying to manage all the tables Brilliant. and I'm getting in his way and he can't see and this and the next thing but <laughs> I remember an American couple came in and, um, and the guy Fraser you know, gives them the usual and he says what would you like what would you like to drink and I'd like a, I'd like a, a, a whiskey, basically a scotch. And Fraser's like, well, you've come to the right place because we've got over five hundred of them. Um, could, would you like to narrow it down? No, just, uh, just something. You know, he was like, I like scotch. He's like, well, <laughs> I you're, like you're going to have to tell me. Can you tell me what you like? And I can see. And he said, oh, you know, and he's looking around and he says, yeah, like a Dalmore, like a Macallan, which is basically looking behind the bar to see yeah. what's there. But he said, but you, I want something that, different. Don't give me something. I'm not coming to a bar where I could buy what I, and, and yeah. see, well, Callan and Dalmore, you can't go wrong with a Tam Do. Yeah. And it, I can't remember what age it was that, what it, or what it, what he gave them, but it yeah. was a Tam Do. And, you know, the two, I saw, I ended up chatting to him and his wife and I could see them and you can see them tasting it and going, that's bloody good. And and as you yeah. said, the interesting fa- fact is, that, like you said, McCallum being the show pony and Tamdu being the workhorse. And so that's what the American, they went, yeah, that's bloody good. <laughs> <laughs> no, he said, that's bloody good, that. <laughs> but but, 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 it's, but I, I mean, as you're saying, it's like, you can spend an absolute bloody fortune on whiskies and you could look at yeah. some of the, and yeah. don't get me wrong, there are whiskies that are priced at the way that are priced for a good reason that they are very very good whiskies yeah. however as i said is that as i'm alluding to is that you can also get very very good whiskies that are nowhere near that price yeah. that you'll enjoy just as much and yeah. per- particularly when you actually look at the history of tamdu and you say well actually you know they were owned by the same company yeah they're using the same casks yep. the only thing that's different which can have a big impact of course yeah is the way that the whiskey is actually made. Now, yeah, of course, McAllen, yeah. doesn't use exclusive just sherry casks either, so uh-huh. they're they're actually mixing their their spirit with a blend of some of it will be sort of percentage of sherry, some of it will be a percentage of American oak or or, or bourbon, etc. Yeah, 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 yeah. But as I say, I just from a standard solid dram that you know what you're always going to get 
yeah. time do you kind of go past? It's one key message. It's one simple message. And, there, and do you know what's really interesting is the more you look into it. So, I mean, Tamdu is an old distillery. I mean, we have old distilleries in our portfolio. So Glengoyne is 1833 when it went legal, you know, yeah. um, making whiskey for a long time before then. Perfect place to make a legal whiskey. Same with Tamdu. So Tamdu means small black hill in Gaelic. Um, perfect place to set up an illegal distillery. If it sounds really scary, you're not going to go up to that hill because it sounds like witches are brewing potions, you know, <laughs> yeah. small dark hill. Um, and so, you know, we've got evidence that uh, people making whiskey a long time before we made it there. It's in an old smuggling valley. Um, we set up in, uh, well, I don't say we, um, it's the late Victorian boom. It's built by Charles Doig, who is um, the the architect and creator of what's called the Pagoda Roof. The Pagoda um, Roof, that's exactly why I've read yeah, it. <laughs> so there we go, it's all coming back. It's all coming back. So the, the Pagoda Chimney, Chelsea Doig is the architect of that. It's one of the most iconic images of um, single malt, right? Yeah. So just to clarify for people who are listening yeah. to this or watching what, mm. and they're wondering what a Pagoda Roof is, if you can picture it, it's that sort of pointy angled roof top yeah uh, you'll see at the top of like it looks like a chimney top it yeah. does yeah it's a and deliberately it's, oriental style it does so. look yeah. very oriental yeah so yeah. he got inspired from I believe it was um, like houses in China and Japan and like roofs there yeah and he saw it was it naturally brings up the air and it helps you dry body yeah. basically it, it, and it, um, it, it's you know if you look at a I think it's maybe even on the bottle of a car do you'll yeah. see the pagoda and and although, although I've heard um, from a kind of pedant someone said well actually it's a copula um, oh strictly controversial speaking, strictly speaking it's not a copula a co- it's a copula I, it's well, something get, like, to do I think because it? strictly speaking a pagoda yeah, has to have more than that's why he's head of research a slight more it has to have more than one tier or something no, I mean, you really one, into the dynamics the roof police over there the roof the roof don't get them started I think you'll find technically on slate I will it wasn't the slate is a material it was terracotta tiles <laughs> right. you were trying to this is an argument that went back about right, slate it, or yeah, roofs. We had an Terracotta so, tiles versus actual Anyway, we're not getting into this. We won't yeah, get into yeah, it. Yeah, but, yeah. Anyway. but the point is, yeah. um, the, well, the other thing is as well, when you do start to go up to Speyside and they show you like the whiskey trail and you see the yeah. signs, the brown signs of the tourism trails yeah. and stuff like that, there is the sort of pagoda it's roof that, that they yeah. use as well. It's and, that image. Yeah. Right, there is something exciting when I'm driving up north yeah. and you do start to get towards the, the sort of space side area and you see these signs and you oh, just see the yeah. different whiskey it, distilleries dotted around find, the place. Uh, yeah. If you find yourself lost in, in the woods in space side, right, you know, and you've stuck there for days and you look around, you look for a chimney, you'll find yourself yeah. home, you know. And, I, um, and as well, I think for me, driving up to space side, and I've done it a few times now, yeah. and if you go up the way that you know there's a couple of ways to get up there but the way in particular if you go up this will mean nothing to our international friends but unless you, they visit unless you visit been. but you go up the from the central belt of Scotland you go up the A9 and you take a right yeah. and when you see I think it's Tormore Distillery and it's just an absolute it's beauty phenomenally beautiful it's got yeah. kind of art deco um, yeah, that's stylings right. and yeah. it's just it just looks sensational there is yeah. something very exciting when you about see when that, you start heading up there yeah, and, when and you see that you know you're in whiskey it's country. going home for me it feels like yeah, it's going home oh. and I know I've never lived there, you know, mm. but I started my whiskey career there when I started being an ambassador. Um, of course. And that for me is like so, so special that I feel like I'm going back home. So you, um, you spent time as an ambassador then working at each, what, was it was it one particular distillery that you would learn from or did you spend time learning from, you know, the whole production process at the Glengoyne distillery 
and uh, um, Tam, do distillery. Yeah, so part of my training was, um, and again, my boss is great. He's a very much hands-off boss. He gives you the keys and, and sends you on your way. So um, the way it worked for me is I was in a, I was a distillery ambassador at Federmagen for 11 months. And I, learned, I learned that. I learned a lot about the production of gin and the history of gin um, and all that kind of thing. And I was distilling a wee bit as well. Um, but then after that, the position came up available to be uh, a whiskey ambassador, and I took it with both hands and ran with it. Uh, and my training was three weeks, um, where day dot, so the first day of being a, a brand ambassador on the job, we drove up, did the exact same drive that you just talked about. Yeah. You know, when I'm the A9, um, you know, my boss, I was driving with, a, you know, a keeper of the Quake. He's an absolute whiskey yeah. legend. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I cannot express that I was like an excited kid in a candy shop, mm-hmm. right? Whereas Gordon was like, Ugh, you know, he's, he's done this so he's yeah, drove so drive. many times, whereas I was just like, this is the best day of my life. Aye. Drove up to Salt Tamdu. Again, he was like, you know, it's all right. It's quite pretty, isn't it? You know, and I was like, this is phenomenal, you know. Uh, first day, you know, straight in, nine o'clock in the morning, we're in warehouses, drilling, drilling casks open. And, and so that was my first education. Then it was um, learning all of the process, getting to meet Sandy, the, the, the city manager, Sandy McIntyre. Um, we went through the entire process and the entire setup. I spent about a week at Glengoyne after that, um, yeah. learning for the whole process. So distilling, mashing, um, and interestingly enough, for anyone that's not worked in a whiskey distillery before, before I did, um, I was really excited to you know distill. I thought that would be the best job, and I have to be honest, it's fun. But I thought that the warehouse oh, is yes. so much better. <laughs> warehouse is so much better. I'm so sorry to anyone that's listening that works in the industry that's a matchman or a, a stillman. Warehouse is where it's at. Warehouse is exactly where it, I, I'll where drink to that. Yeah, Very yeah, yeah. well said. Um, warehouses do things to me. Oh. Um, I've, <laughs> said it, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Warehouses make me horny. Oh, no, I agree. If they're, filled with, if they're filled with whiskey, even better. But I have I mean, to... Like the, the the thing that's the things that could go on in a warehouse. It's unbelievable. I mean, what happens in a warehouse stays in a warehouse. Unless it's Scotch whiskey, <laughs> <laughs> which case at some point or another, after three leave. years of the day, it's it going to leave the yeah. warehouse. But yeah. but I mean, yeah, I think when you the scale of whiskey is massive. Yeah, and it really is. Yeah. It isn't until you start to realise that. Yeah, all of that production, and I can't remember what the stat is on how many bottles of whiskey are being produced per day. In Scotland, oh yeah, aye, and you and yeah. you look at the Diageo lines and and things like that. Honestly, I've got I've got I have not got a clue. The number is huge, but it's astronomical. When you think yeah. about that, and you think about it's, then you've got to think about what the liters of spirit that's being produced by. Every, I mean, what way over yeah. two hundred? How many distillers have we got in Scotland now? Oh, well, I mean, it, it's going up and down, obviously, but I mean, the last count, including the grain, I think it was something like one hundred and forty-five. Maybe even that sounds about right. Close yeah. to I thought, I thought it was over that. No, no. no. Well, 145, 150, let's just say for argument's sake, 150 for easy count. Yeah. Yeah. You've got 150 distilleries producing different levels, of course. Yeah. What we don't even appreciate is how many, one of the things when we're talking about driving up through Speyside, yeah. you do drive up and you're driving around. So how many distilleries you'll maybe drive past yeah. that are completely closed to everybody else? That you've never ever heard of. Never heard of them. That just look like semi-industrial units that you just know that all that's happening in there is it's a production for a Chivas, yeah. a Ballantines, a, a Johnny Walker, or a Diageo blend or something like that. And it's like it's astronomical. But at the same time, what you've got to remember is that this the rules clearly state, and it should be said on International Scotch Day, the eighth of February, <laughs> which we've remembered clearly as a day to remember in the diary. But 
to be officially Scotch whiskey, Scotch single malt whiskey. It's got to stay in an oak cask yeah, barrel yep. for three three years three and years a day and one day. Do you know why the one day? Uh, remind me. Leap year. Ah, uh, there you go. Today is a leap year. Yeah, 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 yeah. you got a factor in well, for this year. Year is a leap this year. year is a leap year. So there, there you go. More, more, there more importantly, but yeah. but the thing yeah. is, think about all that, all the literage throughout the, all these hundred and fifty distilleries that are around the country yeah. that are pouring clear liquid into these wooden barrels, casks, mm-hmm. and then they have to put them someplace. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's got to be in a an official bonded warehouse yeah. within yeah. Scotland, mm-hmm. and until you see the scale of that. It really is difficult mm. to appreciate. Although, I, although I had heard a different story, was that the Irish had legislated three years exactly, and it was a year. You know, it was some time later that the Scotch whiskey decided that they had to legislate, and they picked three years and a day to, as a sort of, you know. I tell you what, this, get it up, you. this actually, this actually might lead me into then, my first mystery dram of the night. Oh, oh that well, actually I was does say, lead me in. I was going to say, well. it hasn't escaped my attention. I've not, I've not mentioned. <laughs> um, for them, it was, you know what they say about the folk they're less today? They're often tight with their drinks. <laughs> hasn't escaped my attention, Mike. I'm only half time. Yeah, it hasn't escaped my attention, Mike. Well, you have, in front of me. You have brought, there's a, there's a bottle present. There's a bottle of smoke here I can see quite yeah. clearly. Yeah. There's this incredible glass, which I remember from the last episode. It is absolutely amazing. Um, which which kind of envelops your whole face, yeah. Like a gas um, mask. It, it looks, it does look a bit similar to a gas mask. It's like the, if a gas mask, but was made for Darth Vader. But yeah, drink, you know, designed for whiskey drinking. Um, and the smokehead you've brought is sherry cask blast. Yeah, maybe it's uh, maybe it's um, a theme going on with uh, Ian McLeod. Yeah, and yeah. Exactly. Some of the best sherry whiskey in the world. Well, we've not got we've not got <laughs> the yeah. smokehead yet, but no, uh, we'll get yeah. we'll get there. Um, so. I mean, okay. What have I brought? Well, yeah, um, like, what, what, what have you brought? Should I talk you through what I've got? Yeah, yeah talk, talk us through what you have. Okay, so what let's have is, a little taste as well. Uh, please do. Yeah, if you've yeah. got glasses that are empty, <laughs> no, don't fire in. We've got empty first glasses first, here. Let me try that. That's from uh, my glass here. So this is a Tamdu. This is a limited edition that we release every year. Mm. Uh, it's called Tamdu Dalby Alley. So Tamdu uh, was built in 1897, late Victorian whiskey boom. And one year later, it received its first ever shipment of Oloroso sherry casks. Really? So one year after it was built. Now, the book you've got, I've got in front of me, have you ever heard of Alfred Barnard? No, I haven't, actually. This no. is going to change your life. Alfred Barnard was a Victorian gentleman who's on the back here. He, um, you can see there, fabulous Victorian gentleman, very eccentric. Now, this guy, this book is going to change your life. In 1896, I believe, he's working for a London magazine called Harper's Gazette. Now, mm-hmm. in 1896, he decides to get on a train and visit every single distillery in Great Britain, including Ireland at that point. Yeah. And he goes in there just because he can. Bear yep. in mind, at this point, it's not normal to go into a whiskey distillery. There's no tours. Did right? he meet a guy no. whose second name was Russell on the train up to Scotland? I actually <laughs> can almost get... Or, only if it was 30 years later. So it, he, he does, though, visit every single one by himself wow. and goes in there. And every single page is every single distillery in Great Britain and Ireland. Wow. Mm. So we've got three distilleries in our portfolio, and yeah. I've earmarked them there for you. We've got Glengoyne when he visits Glengoyne in 1897. Yep. He visits Rosebank as well. Of and course. He visits Tamdu. 
Yeah. And it's phenomenal to see because it's part tour guide. It's part Victorian tour guide when, you know, it's romantic to go to Scotland in 1890s from the Victorian oh, yeah, perspective. Yeah. I mean, the, the day he goes to see Sky for the this first time, mm. I get hairs on the back of my neck reading what he describes of Sky. He says there's, he's never seen a sight like it on Earth mm. when the boat is coming in on the mist. And obviously, because it's Sky, absolutely pisses down. <laughs> but when it clears again, it's phenomenal. Yeah. When he talks about going to Tam, do so he visits Tamdu. He get he has a you know you go for the whole thing. It's like a travel guide, right? So he goes in, he gets his breakfast. This is mad. It's it's unreal. Um, so he goes in and gets his breakfast. There's there's still a reason you didn't even realise it existed. I think there's three in Edinburgh in here. Well, yes, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've already just found it with the Octor Tool Distillery. Yeah. By Kirkcaldy, Fifeshire. A shop, a garage, and a distillery. <laughs> it's, almost, a cordially, it's almost like the Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, but of whiskey distilleries in the 1890s, right? The Octor Mukti Distillery. Yeah. yeah. To reach this queerly named place, we crossed over to Burnt Island by early boat, and from thence journeyed by rail to Octor Mukti. Octor Mukti! Who would have known? I mean, yeah. Octor Mukti. Uh, so, this is, uh, yeah. I, I, we're, I'm, I think I might have to purchase a copy. I told you. I told you. I'm not even going to the whiskey shop. This is Bartholomew's residence. It's amazing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Okay, when was this? When was this? But so this week he travelled in uh, between 1896 and 1898. I've actually got the extended edition. So this yeah. is the this is what I like to call the director's cut. Wow. Yeah, this, so um, Rosebank Distillery Falkirk goes there. to Rosebank, we'll, we'll that gives it a minute. three day special, and then Tamdu should be at the end there. Tamdu, so, Tamdu Glenlivet Distillery, as it's called at the time. Refreshed by a good night's rest after our <laughs> peregrinations. At Glen Ruffis Distillery, we were up bedtimes the next morning and had scarcely finished an early breakfast when our trap, drawn by a pair of horses, made its appearance. So he went to the Tam Distillery <laughs> by horseback. Or yeah, by well, so how else would you have gone in that exactly. era? Yeah, yeah. At present, no railway station at Tamdu, although the great north of yeah. Scotland railway from Craigalachie passes the distillery. But the company are having one built, which will be opened in a few months. Down. I will pause you there. This is Tamdu Dalbiali that you've just tried. Yeah. Tamdu Dalbiali is the Victorian train station that we have ah. on site at Tamdu. It was called Dalbiali, and then uh, they had to actually change the name mm-hmm. because so many people were trying to find Dalbiti. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Really? That really is the honest truth. They tried to find Dalbiti, and they went, right, let's just call it Tamdu this, instead. This, this is like my dad's story of um, yeah. when he was... Li- Dad, who was living in Surrey at the time, yeah. And my parents, my grandparents, went on holiday. I don't know why. Don't ask any questions. <laughs> they went on. They went on holiday to Wick. Yeah. They went up to Wick on holiday. And my dad was like, "Well, I'll, I'll come and join you." Yeah. And they went to the ticket office in London Waterloo or Victoria and said, "Can I get? Yeah, a, yeah, can I get a single Wick. ticket to Wick, please?" <laughs> they go, "What? Empton Wick? <laughs> no, Wick, Wick. No, 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 no Wick." <laughs> <laughs> On the bounds of the estate is a row of neat workmen's houses and some charmingly yeah. situated villas for the manager and excise gentleman, whilst in a detached building near the entrance are to be found the distillery and excise offices and a spacious room for the directors. Very good, eh? They go into technical details about how he distributes made. So part of it's travel, part of it's technical aspects. You're mm. getting a full That's inside incredible. look yeah. of how they make it, the distillation, the setup, the washbacks, the litres, the gallons, what type of new make spirit it is, before even... 
like they thought it was possible to travel Britain. Yeah. He's doing it himself. This is right up my alley. It's so oh, really good. Days as head of, as, yeah. as head of um, research, research for Whiskey Stories, Stories podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely going to have to I'm purchase on this red a copy. Cover, cover yeah. right yeah. Absolutely. I'll next tell you all. <laughs> Coming to cover next week. So what I would recommend then is, um, so there's a bit that he talks about when he uh-huh. goes into Tamdu. He calls mm. it, um, in his own words, because it's built by Charles Doig. Uh, he calls it the most advanced distillery he's ever seen. Really? Like, yeah, because at that point, it is made... So he doesn't call it a shithole. <laughs> it was nice in 1897. <laughs> no, it was, built, it was built because it was built by uh, William Grant. You know, William Grant yeah. oh, right, really, managed yeah. to fork up about 20 grand, which mm-hmm. in today's money is about oh, 20 million pounds. Millions of millions, yeah. yeah. Between that and 15 other investors, um, he brings all of the money together and he tries to make a big blending powerhouse. Three distilleries in that area are built at the same time. So you've got Tandu in Imperial and Nakandu, yeah. right? And so they're built to be these big blending houses in the late Victorian boom. Tamdu falls into decline. Um, it then starts, it's the first three to have what's called Saladin malting boxes, uh, which is this kind of revolutionary way of malting. And that was in the kind of 1940s. Then um, it was the first and the last distillery to use those. Now, when we purchased in 2011, those Saladin boxes were being held together with nothing but love and gaffer tape. So really? unfortunately, they had to go. But what we did was we rebranded. Now, you mentioned about my training for, the, um, for being an ambassador. Mm. My job entailed um, the three weeks of working in different distilleries. My last week of training we was at the Spirit of Speyside Festival, and we had just kind of gone through that rebrand after after ten years or eleven years now. Yeah. The same night, Spirit of Speyside Festival, we won the best twelve-year-old in Speyside. There's fifty-three Ooh, distilleries in Speyside. Yeah, yeah. The same night, we won the best eighteen-year-old that we had just wow. launched the year before. Uh, Only eighteen thousand bottles. So the best twelve-year-old and the yeah. best eighteen-year-old in Speyside region, right? We it's still big, currently hold that. Yeah. I, I yeah. had time to eighteen the last time yeah. you were here, and I it had, yeah. was absolutely. I mean, to give our, to give our readers some idea of the design of this most modern of distilleries, we annex a plan of Tamdu, one of Mister Doig recent creations there you go it's, there you it's are fantastic. it's so good isn't it right? yeah, I mean that's I mean I'm going to have to look again I've, I've got, this as well. it's unreal yeah. like really really good you, you're going to learn so much about whiskey that you had no idea even existed at this incredible. point um, incredible and it gets really geeky as well so it can get really geeky well so um, well, well, well time do then having been the, the sort of main topic of conversation here let's move yeah. on Smokehead then is yeah. their next um is the, is the other brand, uh, one of the other brands that you, you cover? Yes, yeah, so, uh, Tem, Tem, so okay, uh, chronologically, Glengoy in 2003, uh, Tamdu 2011. However, slight step back in the chronological order. Ian McLeod, they bought their first three in 2003. New kids on the block, you know, only 70 years in the business, trying to make their name out there as being distillers. And they say, okay, how do we get our name out of there? Let's come up with a really cool idea. You know, the marketing team gets their heads together. And one person said, okay, we're a Highland single malt. We're completely unpeated. That was the big selling point for, yeah. for uh, Glengoyne at that, that time. So let's let's just like, you know, spit some fun. Let's see what happens. What, what could we do? Uh, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be funny if, for example, we got a boat um, and filled it full of our Highland single malt that's completely <coughs> un- unsmoked? And we took it to the Isla Whiskey Festival in 2004. Now, for anyone that doesn't know much about Isla Whiskey, which I'm sure you probably do at this point, obviously it's very known for one particular style. And in 2004, we did it. We turned up with a boat and a pirate flag and an attitude (laughs) and a a tannoy going off in Port Ellen. Um, And basically, 
was like, you know, Glengoyne is here. And it caused basically a riot for facial. Um, <laughs> and it was a talking point, right? So yeah. all eight of the distillery managers ended up on our boat. Uh, they thought it was really, really funny. The distillery manager of Bunahaven, who's certainly no longer with us, is quoted as saying, you guys are great. If you do that again, I'll break your fucking legs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a traditional Highland and Island welcome yeah. there. But, yeah. I mean, it's a true elect welcome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this, the interesting thing about Smokehead is, and this is what we were sort of alluding to earlier on when I um, I jested and saying that you gave away the, the distillery that is used for the, for the Smokehead is, the fact is, the name on the label kind of says it all. It's Smokehead. Um, I'm just passing you a sample to pour while you chat. Right. Is it, oh, okay. I promise that I'm not tight, and we've got a few drums to get I, through. I guess, <laughs> pour, pour me a little one there as well. Pour yourself one first. Oh, I just the... wanted to make sure that I got something out of your... Uh, <laughs> You're your, going to get a lot of this, your, don't you worry. Your right? generous pour. <laughs> but Smokehead, the interesting thing about Smokehead is yeah. that it is not a distillery uh, that Ian McLeod owns. It's an independent bottle. It is, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting that... Ian McLeod have, you know, they've got, uh, they've they've got the distilleries, but also yeah. they do their own independent. Now the thing is, what we do know, and correct me if I'm wrong here, yeah, is that the the whiskey that is in there is distilled on Isla. It is it is this it is distilled from one distillery on Isla. Now what happened was we we basically uh, kind of struck a deal with one of those distilleries. They said, "You guys are great. Let's do an independent bottling with you." The pirate flag that was on your boat when you turned up. Let's make that the main branding motif. There you go. So that was born. And then Leonard Russell is my um, my boss. He's looking around at all these hardcore smokeheads, is what he calls them. People that absolutely love smoky whiskey. Yeah. And they, you know, one guy was covered in tattoos of every single distillery in Isla. That's how much these people love smoky whiskey. It's a, it's a very big cult following, isn't it's it? It's huge. Yeah. And so that brand is born for that. This is a traditional single malt. It's just that we drink it and talk about it in a non-traditional way. That's all we do. We were a disruptor. We were rethinking drinking. And that's part of why we made this mask as well. So with Smokehead, it is a single malt from Isla. We buy that whiskey. We tell that distillery how we want it to be made. So it's not the same new make spirit. We're choosing the PPM. It's our wood policy. So it's our cast policy that we do it as one. Um, and... It's just got an attitude problem. That's all that Smokehead has. You know, when I do a masterclass for Smokehead, I will have people say, "What distillery is it? You know, what's the PPM? What's mm -hmm. this? What's that? What's your mash?" It doesn't matter. Do you like it? That's all I do when yeah. I talk about masterclass, and it gives you that chance to. Because in a world where we want to know everything, and it is good to know things as well, it's good to have the tradition. It's also important to be like, do you know what? Does that taste good? That's the entire message. So like we've got the one key message for Tamdu where it's just Oloroso sherry cask. Our key message for Smoker is, is just, are you enjoying it? Keeps it nice and simple from yeah. an ambassador's point of view as oh, well. <laughs> totally, yeah. And the thing is, I mean, I'll play off of that. So, mm. I mean, I've just come back from Canada, uh, yeah. an amazing well, part of the world. We know because, I mean, this is, again, the, <laughs> the life and times of a global whiskey ambassador. We, yeah. we were we were talking a couple of weeks ago, oh, you're going to get Mike back on the podcast. Obviously, we lost the episode. Yeah. Um, Jake, you'll be able to come this Wednesday. I said, uh, i just seen he's in Ontario, so <laughs> I, I might be a bit of a struggle. <laughs> you might struggle. Um, yeah, no, it was an amazing part of the world. And, like, uh, you know, lots of Scots there as well. Yeah, um, yeah. And what was really, really interesting was that um, they they are very excited by the idea of something that's a single malt from Isla that's done in a different way. And it's yeah. a really interesting way of looking at it. Um, and I was, I was in Edmonton, I was in Calgary, I was in Vancouver, I was in, um, I was in Victoria. When I went to Vancouver, I was going around really high-end bars, you know, like um, Four Seasons and, you know, really fancy Michelin-style restaurants. And I was turning up and I was saying... 
so I've got some smokehead here. This is absolutely amazing in a Manhattan. And people will be like, oh, cool. Whereas you say that in a whiskey tasting, you know, in Scotland or in yeah, England, yeah. people are like, how dare you put a single malt in a cocktail, you know? Of course, yeah, of course. Yeah. And I think absolutely, it's, for me, it's an ingredient. It's an ingredient that you can use. Going back to my cocktail bartending days, I love using whiskey, mm-hmm. single malt, a really good quality single malt as a cocktail ingredient. It's fantastic. This is where I really get thro- uh, shoes thrown at me. Smokehead rum cask in a pina colada. I am telling Ooh. you this. Smoke and pineapple work together as a flavour pairing. If Ross Barr was here right now, <laughs> he would be all over that. He loves a pina colada. He does. He, does he, so loves, good. he loves get, a pina colada. For, I, I have a couple of shitty, <laughs> shitty cast drinks and I'm the shitty tart. When He was sitting here he was, with Simon yeah. Smith talking about, hey, you've not lived unless you've tried a 1980s Malibu and a pina colada. <laughs> Challenge. I'm going to lay down a challenge. I'm going to come back and we're going to do a pina colada with a 1980s Malibu oh. and a rum cask smoke. Oh, 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 it's going to blow. Ross Barrow. He's just slipped off his seat. Exactly, yeah. But, but that'll, that'll, that'll wake him up. <laughs> but the thing is, like, I, I mean, I, I, I have to say, yeah. I'm not, uh, as as a, it's been discussed on the podcast uh, plenty no. of times, I'm not a smoky whiskey fan. But however, yeah. however, yeah. I think, as I say, maybe I would be more inclined to drink a smoky or whiskey if it was in a sweeter drink like a pina colada. That's and, it. And, that's, and again, it comes down to how you enjoy it. Some people... But the, 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 the interesting branding aspects of Smokehead is really the skull on the front. And where that skull comes from as well. Yeah. That, Once that, you know that, the story. That, that story of that yeah. expedition to Ilo. It's, 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 it's interesting yeah. you'd mentioned about being a brand ambassador mm-hmm. and you mentioned about how you said, like, you know, I'll, I'll stick my uh, my leather jacket on and stuff like that when I'm doing the Smokehead. Mm. There really is that sort of the difference of the, the branding when you're looking at like a, a traditional Scotch single malt yeah. and you see you've got a traditional distillery maybe like Glengoyne or Tam Du and, and maybe there is an image that people like to have. Yeah. Okay, that's nice and relaxed because Ian McLeod are completely happy with that. However, when it comes to the smokehead, there is a particular... You're, you're aiming for a very particular market on that branding. You mentioned about the guy who's got the tattoos of every distillery in Isla. Yeah. It really is that kind of almost... I want. To, I don't want to fall into the trap of going down the um, brew dog sort of punky. No, I. I mean to, ben, to, to to elaborate on that, Graham, as, as someone who is a fan of smoky whiskey. Punk over there. As someone who is, no, no, no. <laughs> joking aside, as someone, someone who, as someone who is a fan of smoky whiskey, um, just down I, his back. I, I admit it. I think. <laughs> Probably after the podcast, I can't remember it. It doesn't matter because it wouldn't have been, it hasn't yeah. survived anyway. Yeah. But I said originally that the, the kind of smokehead branding almost put me off. And I know exactly I'd, what I'd you mean. I've seen it in supermarkets and I thought, yeah. nah, that's not for me. Yeah. I'd rather go for the Lagavulin 16 because, totally. you know, there it is, this kind of old bottle and that. Uh-huh. But that's me being a stuffy fan of smoky whiskey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, having yeah. tried smokehead uh, more and more, and I've had it since actually. Um, and, and actually, it was the first time I tried it when you came. Yeah, um, you tried the unfiltered. I tried the, unfi- here, the which unfiltered, which is absolutely that's amazing. Right, and it, it really turned me on to Smokehead. And, yeah, um, totally. And the unfiltered is incredible, I, yeah. by the way. At the minute, we've just won um, and uh, not an award, but we're we're currently the fastest growing Isla single malt. Really? Right now, yeah. So, and, and yet, you will not disclose, and people will <laughs> never know exactly. Yeah. So, it's fascinating that yeah. there is a, 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 a branded yeah. whiskey that is the fastest growing. Yeah. Isla single malt, but yeah, nobody... Act- and and mm. do you know what? For what that probably does for Scotch whiskey is... I mean, we've had uh, Jan Damon uh, that used to be formerly of the... Scotch malt whiskey. Scotch malt whiskey. Yeah. Which 
famously don't put the names on the labels of the, the distillery yeah. and it shouldn't be about who the distillery is or what the, where, where the whiskey's come from yeah. it should be about the, the flavour and I think that really does show that there is that element to it but as I say if it's a good bloody whiskey and people are drinking it, that's then that's it. it. It doesn't matter what distillery it is. That's mm. it. My masterclass will be, what's in your glass? Mm-hmm. Do you like it? Great, yeah. you know? And that's it, really. And that's our whole message. Um, with Smokehead as well, I would say, um, uh, rest of the uh, core expression, so we have uh, a tequila cask again. So interesting for both drinking and also mixology, doing some smoky margaritas and smoky palomas. Absolutely fantastic. Um, we've got a sherry cask, because we do sherry cask, great. We've got a cask strength at 58%, um, which is real, what my dad would say, Rick juice. Uh, so it's good stuff as well. Um, what you were just drinking, gentlemen? Yeah, what yeah I was going to mention, we, 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 you yeah. passed us a small little yeah. vial. A wee thimble. A wee thimble. Um, which Angus took the majority which of. Which I took the majority of. Um, yeah. And that's why you're smiling. That's so, why I'm smiling. That's the happy Legacy bus. Chapter 3, 48%. Yeah, that's, so, all, that's all that we were provided with. So, so that was going going Legacy Chapter 3, 48%, um, unshield filtered, natural colour, um, you know, lots of apples, fudge, toffee. Big, big mouthfeel. Um, the the story behind that, so it's part of Glen Glen's legacy. Uh, I mean, we talked about kind of, um, did the Irish um, stipulate certain rules and did the Scots? Yeah. Well, I think it's 1908, we had a taxman living on site called Sir Arthur John Tedder. Uh, it was the first person to witness the um, the sit-downs where they tried to work out what is Scotch and what can you legally do yeah. with it. Uh, I think they had 20 sittings. I think they only had that 20 sittings because they were having a dram each time, personally. But he lived, <laughs> he lived on site as a taxman and... Um, He's really regarded as as one of the godfathers of, of kind of working out what whiskey is. But what's really interesting, and that celebrates this whiskey celebrates his his story, his legacy. But what's really interesting is that his son, um, Sir Arthur William Tedder, uh, ends up uh, going into the air force in World War One, okay. working his way through the ranks and becomes uh, I think it is a vice air marshal of the Royal Air Force in World War Two, and it's his signature that is on the article of surrender in Germany. It's him, I think it's Patton and Zukov yeah. from Russia. He was brought in because he could go um, toe-to-toe with Patton, yeah. right? Uh, he was born at Glengoyne. Yeah. So it's, wow. again, it's his legacy as well. So yeah, I mean, that, what a story to have. Yeah. That somebody who's, <laughs> that's quite remarkable. That's one for our Russian listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not a, it doesn't go too well in Germany. For some reason, whenever I tell that story, yeah. it doesn't go down too well in Cologne. But, um, but uh, no, um, jokes aside, that, that was the legacy. And that's part of my job. It, it goes into storytelling. And so anyone that goes to Glengoyne, we're starting back up again in April to go and see my friend Gordon Dallas. He's a whiskey experiential ambassador um, who has also been on the podcast briefly before. He does a storytelling tour, which is ad hoc, Ooh. no script and it is just straight into telling the stories um, and that's what we do best really we see ourselves Ian McLeod what we do is we see ourselves as getting a distillery maybe something that's never been seen as a single malt before and telling that story and getting yeah. that torch we're kind of custodians really of these distilleries right um, which is why we have a lot of fun with smokeheads because you know we don't have a distillery so uh, I've just given just, you I've just, so I've I, just I, had I a sample as well. it's 56.6% yeah, so this Ooh, and I've just this, had a sample on, on the label this has hashtag or a number 1672, 21st of November 2007. So I always try and relate this back. I try and think, what was I doing on the 21st of November 2007? Sorry. And I would have been, what, first year of uni? So yeah. I would have been. Jobbing about. I'd have been sitting on your backside, yeah. Sitting Job on my backside, shy. playing football manager, how things change. Um, I'd have smoking seen. cigarettes and putting them out in Glen Finnegan, 21 year olds. I was a couple of years later. This would have been first year. I'd have been in halls using. 
other people. I'd have been still been. I'd have been a week off eighteen, so I'd have been <laughs> borrowing people's IDs to try and get into clubs and yeah. things like that. Oloroso, which I think from the colour, yeah, yeah very clear. So, well, yeah, that's a single cast. This is a single cast. So that's a single cast. Presumably the cast number. I have to say, I've just had a sip mm. of that. And I'm thinking to myself, at 56, I'm maybe thinking about maybe a glass, a wee drop of water just to see, yep. and the smoothness of it's that. unbelievable. No, no need. 56%, yeah? No need, no yeah. need for water. Yeah. So that is, that's chewy. That's, yeah. that's uh, absolutely. What, what, As a sherry tart, yeah. what? that, that <laughs> ticks my boxes. This is why I came here tonight yeah, for you, Graham. Yeah. It's a sherry tart. So, and yeah, yeah. so, Mike, what can you tell us about this? Where, so where, this where, is, where, where is this come uh, from? This would be one of probably 180. Um, okay. bottles um, that was the hand fill at uh, Glengoin from December to Ooh. January when it ran out so this is no more I'm afraid but this that's is that's the last of it this is Angus well, took the majority of that <laughs> <one>. <laughs> hey, you had the opportunity Graham you poured yourself first so you, can, it was a you can't complain it was a test and you failed <laughs> oh great uh, this will be this will be kind of proof of what we can do really um, you know, sherry masters yeah this is Oloroso this is European oak Oloroso yeah, sherry phenomenal Love absolutely phenomenal again you know this, there's a theme of what we do right we do it best I mm. mean we do other cask qualities really good as well so with the Glengoyne Legacy chapter Three, I had a lot of American white oak sherry cask, right. um, and that's the kind of difference is night and day, really. Now I'm going to move into this is insane. I mean, I'm, I'm I know Graham is a sherry tart, but I'm a big fan. That's true. I, that, I like sometimes at the right whoa. moment. I like a very I well, that yeah. bloody heavily it's sherry. So good, isn't it? <laughs> so I, I can tell you that is really nice. I can really tell nice. you that I walked in to the Victoria mm. Whiskey Festival. It was the last day that I was in Canada, and I got a ferry from Vancouver to Victoria. Got straight into, I walked into the hotel, the, the whiskey festival was in full flow, and it was day two. I was doing the last masterclass of the festival. Mm. I walked into a boardroom with 28 people, some of the biggest names in North America and Canada for whiskey, were shitting a brick. And I pulled out that as a, as a bottle, um, and that and a single cask of the Tamdu American White Oak, yep. so kind of as my mystery drams. Yeah. Easily, so many people said that is for me the European Oak Oloroso is going going probably drama the festival. Oh, that was, oh, um, well, there that's that's so one way to win over I've a room. I saved that for you. That was <laughs> what I had oh, left. Oh, well, Mike, thank you so much. After uh, we yeah. went and deleted your episode, <laughs> <laughs> this is why this is <laughs> we thought we'd try and get you to raise the standards a so little bit. Is there, any chance, is there any chance, Graham, you can delete this one? <laughs> <laughs> Keep it coming. We can't. This is the this is the you know international Scotch day. I tell you that. Okay, I'm so really kicking the arse out of that. Third dram. Oh, don't worry. I'm having a good time. Here. Yeah, Let's yeah. See what we got? So and third, third. Yeah, you, 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 you read that, Graham. Teapot dram, zero zero nine, fifty-eight point nine. Does that mean anything to you? Teapot. Teapot dram. I I'm gonna challenge you find some Glengoin fans and mention the teapot dram to them find a Facebook group Glengoin Appreciation Society and mention teapot dram just try the teapot dram anything anyone know anything about it teapot dram is legendary okay um, this is uh, a lovely combination of different Oloroso sherry casts I think there's only six that are ever involved and we release one every year you can only really get it at the distillery it's it's phenomenal. It's got a bit of a. It's got a bit of a. It's fifty-eight point. It's fifty-eight point nine. Yeah, it's hot. That's a bit spicy. Yeah. The story is that um, in the eighteen fifties, I think mid eighteen hundreds, um, three times a day, the distillery workers would be given a dram, 
and they could have three fingers of whiskey with the person with the biggest fingers choosing that. Oh, here we right. go. That? That's why he's got such a big forearm. <laughs> <laughs> big old sausage fingers there. And, and uh, anyone that didn't want to finish their dram would pour, pour it into a teapot and it would just get stored up and stored up and at any point you could just fire right in. Really? So again, we're telling that story and this, when you go to Glengoyne and you see how traditional it is and how old it is and you have this experience, it just suddenly makes sense. So, so uh, in terms of, obviously, the teapot dram being... Yeah. Now, what, so this is just a, a, a combination of casks. That it's about they... six. My understanding is we only ever use six. Um, it will be a little bit of American white oak, a little bit of European oak, hogsheads mostly, um, but just all sherry casks. And it is really legendary for Glen Gwynn fans. Oof, that's, I'm going to get away four of these. Yeah. I guess I'll let you take the photos here. Yeah, allow me. I guess I'll, also, I'll take as a well few. as a key researcher, head researcher for the whiskey story. As well as a photographer. He's also the photographer as well. We're, I a, have. Short, we're a small team. I have. I'm head of research. It's going to get through Alfred Barnard's book next week. So I have got for you now, I've got a few more things I'm going to show you. Because there's one more distillery that we haven't really talked about. This is true. This is true. Or maybe save that one for the end. For the end. So, um... Okay, well, what I have la last for you is the Glengoyne uh, cast strength at 10. So this is the newest cast strength that Glengoyne has just released. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. Um, so it is 59.5%. Cast makeup is really, really interesting here. Uh, I'll let you nose it before I tell you what I think it smells like. Um, but it's like a lot of American white oak cherry cask. A little bit of bourbon cask influence, a little bit of European oak and um, Oloroso, and a very small amount of Rioja casks. Rioja. That we were kicking around in the warehouse, and we didn't really know what to do with, and we just thought, well, oh, fuck it, whack it and see what happens. See what and happens. It, it is, I mean, delicious. Yeah, that's it. It's right. good juice. Right, let's have a look at this. You just had, back to back, I reckon three of some of the best, oh. like... <laughs> Effectively non-age statements apart from the single cask Oloroso. And what I want to do is put it out on record to every single person who might be coming out of the Whiskey Stories podcast. Next. Challenge accepted. Let this be the bar. Okay. <laughs> and also what we'll say is that we might have made out that it was an accident that we deleted uh, the previous episode <laughs> just so we can see what we get next. You know, <laughs> if you don't reach the standards, there's an accidental deletion, deletion of the button. I'm not even pulled out the big guns. I'll tell you what. Tell you what, You've done well, I mean, I've yeah. done no, the big guns have been pulled out to be fair, but I have got a particularly, particularly good, uh, right. So, this is so this one here I'm just about to have is cast strength batch 10, yeah, 59.5 percent. This is Glen Goyne as well. This is Glen Goyne. So, guys, if you're looking right now, for anyone yeah. listening, guys and girls, if you're looking to buy another whiskey right now, um, and you're looking to maybe you know, the price of whiskey can be quite high, if you're looking for to spend a little bit less, uh, I couldn't tell you what this exactly retail was at, but it is. For 59.5%, it is not as expensive as you think it's going to be. But what you're going to get, in my honest opinion, is probably one of the best things that Glengoyne has produced in a long time in terms of being able to bring different casks together and owning a wood policy. Fun fact for you as well. So our blending team, Emma, started off her career as a guide at Glengoyne. Mm -hmm. She started off as a distillery ambassador uh, and then literally went to Harriet White University, did the course at Distillation Brewing, yep. came back, and now she's one of our main blenders. You know, she, she's, she is as every bit Glen Goyne's story as, you know, um, Sir Arthur John Tedder or George Connell who started the distillery. And I've got, I've got 100 and 
80 odd years of history I could tell you about Glen Goyne easily that I won't go into um, that'd be another podcast I think I think but, so yeah. <laughs> uh, the Glen Goyne Cash Strength 10 for me is we own wood policy we know what we're doing we don't mess around and we're also not afraid to not use sherry flasks so um, well that's is it I mean I've just added a tiny little bit I have to say yeah. again 50 what was it 59.5 so yeah. it's hot I've but just, at the same time yeah not I mean, what age is that? Is it non-age it's statement? It's a non-age statement. Um, and what's really interesting is, so for me, that I'll, be, I'll be interested to see what you think about this. This is not an official Glen Goyne tasting note. This is what I think it is. Mm. I think on the nose, I get like a lot of soft lemon peel, which is that kind of combination of American white oak, sherry cask and Rioja, maybe. I don't know what's going on. But soft, fruity lemon, a little bit of citrus, a little bit of vanilla. And I, get a lot of it. I get vanilla. I get, I get vanilla, vanilla as well. I get the lemon peel. I can. I don't get that. So. You know, I can. I can get whiskey. the citrusy. It's, it's whiskey. No, I, <laughs> I can okay. get a bit of a citrusy it's, thing. It's vanilla, vanilla dominant as well. It's a lot of American way. Yeah, you, you can see from the colour. You take a wee sip, and what happens? There's a wee bit more of that, Graham. Though I mean, oh. Oh. I yourself, I guess, uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Too many jokes. Once you get a wee sip into that, then what happens is you get an incredibly big mouthfeel, very creamy, creaminess, very creaminess, creamy vanilla lemon peel. Yeah. Long biscuity finish. It's a lemon cheesecake at fifty nine point five percent in every single aspect. It's a lemon cheesecake at fifty nine point five percent. Add a tiny, tiny drop of water. Yeah. You think that really took the edge? Just, just, just enough edge. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. have a little sip at castrate. I'm, I'm gonna add some water. This, this is the one where actually, when I'm doing Trickle of water, when I do a whiskey festival, and obviously oh, the thing is, every palate is it's so good, right? Like, cheesecake suddenly. You're saying cheesecake. Yeah. All I can think about is if I've just had a mouthful of cheesecake. Yeah, exactly. It's like a creme brulee type thing oh, going very on. Bloody good, that. Um, yeah, I'm it's really, really good. The rest of this before please, I get please, stuck please, in with this big too much water there. I know. I know. Put a touch of that back in. Put a touch of that. Touch of that back in. I love that. I love a whiskey tasting when it gets to this point. This is this is for me what whiskey is about. This is great. Sorry guys, Glenn going done it again. Done it again. That's a bloody good. Uh, I've got to take the car home. No. <laughs> taxi. It's being a taxi. Please drink responsibly. Do Please not drink, and drink responsibly. Um, yeah, so I will uh, tell you very quickly as well. Glengoyne is one of the greenest distilleries in Scotland. Um, so it's being very easy to do at visit. It's one of the most visited uh, distilleries in Scotland as well. Mm. But it is also one of the greenest. So uh, we were the first distillery in Scotland to have all of our liquid uh, waste going back into renewable energy. Um, our electricity is completely powered by wind turbines uh, and the wetlands that we've created in front of the distillery um, powers about 353 homes in Scotland and gives oh life and habitat to about over 15,000 plant life and animal life. Yeah. So, uh, geese, uh, we have flying geese that visit us as well, um, yeah. uh, which is great. Except, do, 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 do they come seasonally, or are these? Yeah, they migrate, so... but they stay in the valley. So, yeah. and they have done as well, which is why the valley is called that. But what's yeah. even better is that if you try and do any drone footage while they're there, Oof. they will kick right off. Well, the thing is great this... guard dogs. Yeah, well, well, well that we, I think uh, I can't remember if it was or not. I mean. Mm. Yeah, I can't remember what the first whiskey I had. Is that cast strength kicking in? <laughs> the, 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 first, but, uh, the first whiskey was the uh, Legacy Chapter 3. Yeah. yeah. No, but what I mean is, uh, oh. I, I remember talking about Oh, the first thing going. No, no, anyway. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's happened already. It's a bit of humor. It's it always happens. gone over your head there. <laughs> but, but basically, the, um, I am, I'm pissed. <laughs> but, but basically, uh, the... the we, I can't remember whether it was on the last episode that we talked about this, yeah. where uh, 
Valentine's in their, their, their in Dunbar. They were guarded by geese, in right? Dunbarton, sorry. Yeah. Dunbarton, they used it as a, ah, a geese's yeah, guide. Yeah, they yeah, did. Yeah. And Romans used to use the um, geese as guard dogs as well. It's because they are vicious. They're vicious. But also, and they, they make, make a huge racket. They're extremely loud. Yeah. I mean, you know yeah. about the geese flying in the flying V, don't you? They're from Northern Ireland. Absolutely. The yeah. geese flying in a, in a flying V from Northern Ireland, they're going quack, 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 quack. And the, the one at the front goes, I'm going as quack as I fucking can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna lead the next Glengoyne masterclass with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. You can have that one for free. Hopefully, yeah. I'll be somewhere like Sweden and they'll just look at me with blinking eyes. I'm gonna squawk. What's Kizzy talking about? I can't go any quacker. <laughs> 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 no, that's a good judo. Uh, right. A so the four the, the four fight. grams were good. Oh, absolutely. Oh, sensational. People are sleeping on Glengoyne if they don't realise, huh? Honestly, I have to say is this has been tremendous. But what I will say is we haven't talked about one other distillery that is on the on the books at Ian McLeod. And the thing is, it's causing a bit of a a bit of excitement now because a huge excitement. Rosebank, which has, from my understanding, and this is one of the sort of most eagerly anticipated distillery openings that has been for a long time yeah. because yeah. from from what I believe is that Rosebank was let me tell you my history of it yeah, go for it yeah, and go for see it. if you yeah. after four pretty much cast strength whiskies oh, I can't oh, it's only appropriate I can't I can't remember <laughs> fully whether uh the, the distillery was was closed. I don't know the reason behind it. It, it was, and I think I think I'll, I'll let you continue. Yeah. But I think with Rosebank, it was a obviously Diageo distillery, and it closed. What? I think early nineties, maybe late eighties. Nineteen ninety three. Nineteen ninety three. Yeah. I think there was genuine sadness when that distillery closed. Heartbroken because uh, yeah. I think as a single malt, there were huge, huge fans of people that were huge, huge fans yeah. of Rosebank. But was it? it was we, a, we, it, was often a, it was a decision at the time where you had maybe potentially a Glen Kinchy and a Rosebank, and the decision was we're going to have to close one. We can't have two Lowland distilleries. Angus, you're completely and, correct. And, and, and this is from Falkirk, isn't it? It's from Rosebank. Yeah. Rosebank is Falkirk. Now, so. do you wonder if it's, you know, was it the case of that, like the town of Falkirk, when you have oh, I think something was, that yeah. puts puts your town a little bit more on the map with these things? There is an element of intensified out, outrage or outpouring of upset I, people being upset because it's closing uh, uh, now I, I can't remember if it was yourself that talked about the Rosebank distillery but basically all that was left was just pigeon shit and it's effectively yeah, it, the nicest way of saying it was uh, there wasn't much left so I mean you guys are both correct completely um, uh, Angus and Graham so uh, 1993 um, Diageo uh, made a decision. Uh, they they wanted to keep one of their lowland malts. So uh, Glen Kinchy was more um, appropriate as a tourist destination, and so therefore they said, "Okay, quite rightly keep... so." Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever been to Falk? <laughs> yeah, we well, you know. No, and, and actually, it's got a wheel now and a kale piece, yeah. but yeah. and uh, no, no offense to anyone. No offense to anyone me. in Glen Kinchy or Falk. Yeah. That's what Diageo chose at that time, you know, because Edinburgh was you know very popular, and so you know. At the same time, uh, world-renowned whiskey expert Michael James Jackson, not the same one, um, <laughs> he's uh, the whiskey godfather, um, and very, very well-respected as a whiskey go- um, author, yeah. he um, stipulates that, in his opinion, Rosebank was top five whiskey in the world, king of the lowlands. 
Yeah. And at that point, he is the most respected whiskey author. Yeah. Um, so that, that's how important... And when was that? When did he publish that? So he, he said that it was probably in the late 80s. But at the, thing, at the same right. time, everything is about blends at this point, right? So yeah. everything's about blends. Rosebank's history, which you look into in Alfred Barnard's book as well, is it's what's called a top dresser. So you're making blended whiskey. Aye. This is what makes Rosebank so unique. There's nothing like this, okay? Mm. This is why it's top five whiskey in the world as a single malt. As a top dresser malt, what, if you're making blended whiskey, you need your foundation malts mm. you need your big bulk yep. mm. and then you add into that and you'll add a top dresser which is the secret sauce right yeah that, so how do you how do you get that flavor into it mm. very simple you get a whiskey that's been triple distilled so therefore it's going to be very very light and then you put it through the diametrically opposite process which is by putting it through a worm tub condenser there is no other distillery like that because if you bought a distillery tomorrow and you had a you know how to build a whiskey distillery for dummies book you wouldn't put these two together it's just it, it just doesn't make any sense but putting it through a worm tub condenser rather than a shell and tube condenser you're going to get a much bigger heavier spirit so you get a lighter spirit then you get a heavier spirit which means right. in a blend you can't taste that initial palate, and then out of nowhere you get this big finish, and that's your secret sauce. Wow. Which means there's a single malt, which is when it was discovered by Michael James Jackson. It's there's nothing like it. On the on the initial palate, it's soft, it's light, it's tropical almost, and then it almost doesn't have a middle. Mm. It sort of disappears, and you think, oh, was that it? And then the finish knocks you for six. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm surmising a little bit, but it's, it's interesting you mentioned yeah. that in terms of how you know that it's a top dresser because yeah. we had uh, a tasting about a year ago, I think, with Mark Thompson. Yeah, and he explained yeah. the process of producing uh, a blended whiskey. It's like making a pizza. Yeah, most of it. You've got your base. Exactly. That's your grain whiskey. Yeah, he said you've then got your tomato sauce and your cheese. They're there, they're other single malts, yeah. they come in, but they sit in the background, they're there, every pizza has to have them, but they're there. And he said, then on the top, you're putting your pepperoni, your anchovies, exactly. et cetera, et cetera. And that is your, from him point of view, it was Glenfiddich, but yeah. or Rosebank. It's these kind of distilleries. Exactly. That, that, it makes that, you look at blended whiskey in a completely different way exactly, as well, right? Yeah. It's really interesting. So, I, um, and you're exactly right. Rosebank's then, so what happens is it unfortunately gets mothballed by Diageo in 1993. They close the doors, yeah. keep the stills. Um, and what happens is that we, uh, we drive them past every single day. It's really sad. Early 2000s, around about the same time as um, probably when you were going to university or maybe in college at this point. But um, people go into the warehouse that's been closed, or the, the distillery that's been closed, and they actually broke down the stills and, and destroyed yeah. them and melted yeah. them down for copper, mm. which is heartbreaking, right? Mm. So the whiskey world is very sad because they realize what, what they've lost. It's a holy grail whiskey, top five in the world at one yeah. point, is what's considered by whiskey experts. So long story short, we we just we kind of seen it as an outrageous that, it, that no one was doing anything about it. So uh, we bought it. There wasn't much left. There was the original mill. Uh, there's a Bobby Mill on site. Um, the stores weren't there, obviously, but there was the odd thing. Um, a couple of buildings, but mostly a bit of a brownfield site. It was, it was, there was a lot of like, uh, it's right on the canal. So there's a lot of the mm. warehouse theft there. There's a lot of the, the, the still house and stuff. It, but it was so damaged and in disrepair because it hadn't been open for so long that when we went in there and we started mm. con uh, contracting and breaking ground to, to rebuild, you know, some of it actually fell down. So we had to try and reincorporate that into the build. We've tried to keep as faithful as possible to the distillery. Because yeah. like I say, well, 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 we're custodians, you know, that's yeah. what we do. We look yeah. after well, it. was quite nice. I remember I've, I've seen the designs for the new distillery. Yeah. Um, I'm not driven past the site or anything recently. Um, yeah. I've seen the designs and it's 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 you're not trying to recreate what was there before. You're not yeah. trying to build a replica 
um, it's a very modern, it's kind of a, you know, there's glass and steel, but there is that incorporation of original stonework, original buildings. So we've really, we've done a really good job of yeah. incorporating as much as possible. So yeah. you can walk around the new site. Um, and by the way, for anyone listening and interested, um, we are hoping to be open. I'm hoping by July. So wow. most of the build is completed. We are distilling. We've been. Oh dis- really? Yes. Yeah. We've been I, distilling. I haven't realized that. Actually. Yeah. We've been distilling since July. Yeah. Uh, I think we've been filling casks since July. Um, July last, 2023. Yes. Yeah. So we've been filling casks. Um, the person in charge of the distillery. So it's interesting. I, I spoke about this the last time I was here. You did, yeah. Um, so what's really interesting about Rosebank and, and a lot of people say oh you know why are you bringing it back will it be the same okay look at who we've brought in because again Ian McLeod I think we've earned ourselves now as being kind of respected in the industry yeah, I'd like to quite comfortably say that mm. so what we've done is we've gone we need someone who knows exactly what they're doing to, to make sure they're steering the ship in the right way mm-hmm. Malcolm Rennie is the original first distillery manager of Kilhoman he, he set up that entire oh, distillation right, okay. process and then moved on to set up Lockley yeah um, okay. studied underneath Dr. Jim Swan yeah right. okay he is the person in the whiskey industry you bring in to steer the ship. He's been in our build from the very start to rebuild Rosebank. He's the Pep Guardiola. He is. <laughs> the, I will tell him that and he will love that. You tell him that the Whiskey Stories podcast have officially crowned him as the Pep Guardiola he of the whiskey industry. He will love that. That is fantastic. That's exactly who he is. He's the person you bring in when you're rebuilding it. It's almost like whiskey archaeology because we've got no new spirit of yeah. Rosebank. Uh, well, mm. we do now. But we, we don't have old stuff. We don't have cut points. We don't have ledgers that say this is how you do it, right? Yeah. But what we do is we have, we have Alfred Barnard's book, which goes into a lot of technical detail, which is yeah. really interesting. It's a three-pager special on Rosebank, right? Mm-hmm. Then we go into, you know, what can he do? So he works backwards. We know what the new mix spirit is going to be like because it's triple distilled, worm top condenser. We also know it's going to be uh, bourbon refill casks because it's not a cask-driven whiskey. It's a spirit-driven whiskey. Yeah. Um, so we work backwards and we tweak. And, and so what I've just brought for you... Clear liquid. Cleric. Now, this is duty-paid sample that I've got. I'm working on a couple of things just now with um, that I've managed to bring in a wee bit, and this is the reason why Ross will be absolutely raging. Uh, this ah, is... He wouldn't Ross. be so sleepy if he saw that. Let's get <laughs> this is, just want to confirm yeah. that this is duty-paid. Okay, duty for paid. anyone listening, yeah. If the excitement is listening. Yep, so I can legally have this, and no one's reselling it, and no one's yeah, selling anything like that. Let's get a good picture of this. But this is... So this is Rosebank New Mix Spirit at 63.5%. And uh, this is what we're, we're really happy with at the minute. This was distilled on the 31st of January. What are you um, doing now? <laughs> he, I don't know. He was exactly <laughs> paying his tax bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, would you mind watering your gland cans for me? If that's yeah, okay. I have done that. Yeah. Clear, cleared the way. So this is just to give you an idea for anyone that... Again, I don't. I don't do this. This is this is this is not an easy thing to come by. I'm working with um, with the production team at Rosebank right now on a couple of things, and I've managed to get this for myself. Uh, I'll pour these Angus because if I remember correctly, <laughs> yeah, you poured, last time I poured new make spirit. You poured I think it was about about half, half Yeah, half so half. I would go very easy. Is what, what, what you're talking about is the holy grail of whiskey. Yeah. So go just a wee drop. Just a wee drop. Six three point five percent. So it's quite hot. Um, and that's what we do for Ian McLeod across the board. It is our um, filling strength is sixty three point five. We've got to be full with this. Isn't we? Maybe put this, on. Uh, this is this maybe is, send a line <laughs> back on. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I wet myself. <laughs> uh, this this is 
not only a bit of a treat, but an act, a bit of an honour actually to have this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this isn't something that's that, is that by the way by. that sticker I made up myself very quickly because I've got this bottle from another bottle that I have that's got the duty paid sticker yeah. on it. Just to let you know, the, 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 that's uh, uh, my old bartending days. It's a, a day sample box, but yeah, the back of it there. There we go. This is a point where. Um, I remember there was a joke, someone said um, there are two kinds of people that don't get imposter syndrome. Actual imposters and people who went to private school. Graham and I both went to private school. I have to admit, trying this, I've got a wee bit of imposter syndrome because I know that there will be whiskey fans and whiskey people that would um, give various limbs to try this. I totally so, understand. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. And so yeah. this is... Yeah, this is about a, that. Maybe that. So the point I'm making here is that... Um, Thanks, Graham. For anyone that says, you know... Um, Rosebank, it won't be it won't be the same. Okay, first of all, we know what we're doing. We've brought in the right people to do this. We've done this properly. We're probably not going to release a Rosebank until it's at least eight years old, Ooh. first of all. Um, so that's triple distilled, that's worm incredible. tub condenser. That's... that's I mean, I, look, look, I'll be honest thoughts? with you. What's I'll be honest thoughts? with you, right? Yeah. Uh, the last time we tried New Make Spirit on We've this tried, podcast... We have tried New Make. I've tried numerous New Make. Now, one of the things I've said before, and I, mm. I, I have apologised... Publicly for to the um, to Lindor's Abbey, I had a, I had a small <laughs> bottle of New Make Spirit yep. that I bought from. Well, in fact, no, I was for my thirtieth birthday. I was gifted a small cask from my parents. Yeah, for my thirtieth birthday, and uh, you know, and and I was given a small bottle of New Make to go with it that you could buy from Lindor's Abbey. Yeah, I tried it. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, that's that's New Make Spirit. That's you know, it's not it's not drinkable realistically. Yeah, it's yeah. a gimmick that you can buy from the distillery, and it, look, they give you far too much, in my honest opinion. Yeah. Because no one in their right mind is going to be able to drink that much, <laughs> and no one's going to go to it and go, "Do you know what I fancy tonight? I've had a shit day. I'm going to go straight to the hard stuff at sixty whatever percent." Oh, new make new make martinis are the way forward. You go blind. You go blind. <laughs> so anyway, that sat in the back of my cupboard for years and years and years, and um, I, I needed to re. Uh, I need to put the new silicon stuff around my bath. <laughs> and I was determined that I was going to do this at a weekend. And it got to the Saturday evening and I hadn't done it yet. I said, right, I've got nothing on this Saturday night. I'm going to do it. YouTube up, YouTube video. I had all the kit, I had all the silicon, and I took it all off. But then it said, before you put the new silicon on, you must clear the full area with white spirit. <laughs> and I was like, shit, I haven't brought the white spirit. That's the only thing I haven't got. Although light bulb went off my head, and I do apologise to Lindor's Abbey for this, <laughs> but the only white spirit I actually had in the house at the time was Lindor's Abbey New Make, <laughs> which I'd had a couple of drams out of. Which, as I said, it's not something that you're going to go to. You, you couldn't sit and sip it all night, Greg. No, no. So yeah, I, 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 I used to be a whiskey geek to really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so, so again, so yeah. that was, and that was one of the only few times I'd had New Make spirit, and yeah. up until. Um, Megan Murdoch from Glen Wivis Distillery had brought some of hers in from from Glen Wivis. And once you actually do get to sit and appreciate it, and again, yeah, you have to get the balance right. I've not put a drop of water in that. I've had a sip out of that. And I don't know whether it's a triple distillation, whether it's what you're I mean, again, you're talking in a language that I'm not 100% sure of. Totally, yeah. However, yeah. instantly, and again, I'm not, I tried to stay away from sitting there smelling and going, I'm getting sense of this. Yep. You're getting a very malty 
flavour yep. from the smell. Mm-hmm. It smells like, and, and so it should because it is really, it's not spent any time in any wood or anything. Exactly, like that. yeah. I mean, so I mean, I've got some tasting notes that I've been sent from Malcolm. Um, it's certainly things like stone fruits, um, maltiness, sweet tropical notes. There's a There's wee bit tropical of, notes in there. Yeah, kind of a wee bit of peach, a little bit of plum thing Absolutely. going on. Um, and what it says to us is that this is going to be. I think we're onto something. So what here. do you do with that then? I mean, as you said, Rosebank were predominantly American oak or... or yeah, well, you're looking at refill. You're looking at refill bourbon. Um, and, and that, and of course, from an Ian McLeod background, we don't know, is there any indication of the, the casks that you're using for Smokehead? Or is that just up to the distillery? Or That's do you... up to us. No, no, no. We are doing all the maturation. So we buy that uh, whiskey from Smokehead. Sorry, from so that distillery. You, you buy the spirit from that distillery. Yeah. And what you, distillery was it again? Uh, did, did I not? I thought I might have. No, I don't think I said that. But uh, so you buy it. But but is it is it does it follow the suit of the Glengoyne and the Tamdu where it, that's a, or do you mix them up with American oak, uh, ex bourbon? Uh, and American. part of the beauty is that I don't often give the game away. But what I will say is that we we put explicitly what kind of finishes on those bowls for right, Smoked. Yeah. Um, so this, for example, is a sherry cask, um, okay. and it's the same sherry cask we're using to make. Course. you know um tamdu and glengoyne uh, of which mm. if anyone wants to know how we make these casks by the way i will happily tell you this um our casks take the longest to make in the entire whiskey industry it's six years yeah oh. so um we make uh well we get them made from us custom made exactly from these bodegas in spain mm-hmm. um and if you want to go onto tamdu or go onto youtube and type in tamdu from spain to spaceside and it's a 12 minute video that we've put together it's a 12 minute film where you see from you know the warehouse to acorn to tree to being felled by yeah. a family business in Spain to then being put into bodegas that are family owned to then making those casks for us seasoning with Oloroso sherry then eventually coming to us after six years and then we put whiskey into yeah. it so um, it's a long process we could make our whiskey a lot quicker with Glengoyne we can make a lot whiskey a lot quicker with Tamdu we could make a whiskey very quick if we wanted to it's just that that's just not the what process. we do now yeah. what, so what, what would we expect this to be going into then Rosebank will um well, what you will see Rosebank with will be refill bourbons I can almost guarantee because what you need to do is you need to allow mm. that spirit to sing above anything else because of how unique it is um, it's delicate do you know what's really interesting actually Rose, yeah. Rosebank it's called Rosebank our motif is a rose right yeah. and we've made a really beautiful video on uh, YouTube again Tavern Rosebank mm. you see the animation we made so with Rosebank what's really interesting is that Emma you know the three um ambassador that became one of our master blenders yeah um although she might kill me if I said well master blender she's certainly right up there (laughs) she took her nose and she said that she could actually smell a bit of roses and i don't know if this is a criminal thing but a floral flavor profile i was gonna mention the nose because it's just pure cereal it's like and it it just takes you to if you've ever been to a distillery and they've let you had a kind of sniff of the um not the mash ton but the oh the wash the mash yeah the fermentation yeah um, the wash the wash and it just takes you right back to there. Oh, it, it, it really, it, it, it reminds me of going on kind of distillery tours because it's just that raw. Right. So well, look, beautiful. Now that I mean, as I said, we're we're fast approaching the two-hour mark. Of the <laughs> no, is this going to be a two-episode special? Uh, but but well, what we'll, what we'll, we'll ask you here, and as you're pouring the smoke head yeah. into the, and I think the distinctive glass 
we'll show to the camera as well and get some photos of it. A little tad more of that. I know yeah, Graham's <laughs> watching me like a hawk here. He doesn't trust me a bit, but I'm going to have a little, because I've got one little bit left, but I want so his big fingers. It's his big fingers. He's like, I want, to, I want to just savour this Just want to confirm more. for anyone listening that this is not a regular occurrence and this is no, rare this is, stuff. Thank you very much Pleasure. for this. Now, as is tradition, and as yes. you've already done once before already, however, we lost those, those uh, episodes. <laughs> Your what three casks? Now, I have them. Three what drums. three drums? <laughs> what three drums? <laughs> Get me home. Drink responsibly, everyone. But what three drums? Now, mm. I have written down here what you selected as your three drums uh, yep. previously. I'm almost certain that I think you'll probably go with the same ones because yep. it's the stories that are associated with them. However, please, what are your three drums? And, and Mike, you had, without trying to talk you up too much, you had fantastic stories. Yeah, like well, that's each, what whiskey's all about, right? Each one of them was. I mean, yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Okay, so drum one, Battle of Any Fourteen, Caribbean cask. I'd worked in a tiki bar in Leicester. Knew a lot about rum. Had that kind of connection. I get a job as an actor. I'm touring around Scotland. I'm standing at Loch Ness. I've made it as a professional actor, and I'm feeling great as a young kind of twenty-two-year-old man. And uh, I'm missing my dad. And I'm thinking about Scotland. I'm thinking about him. And I'm holding a Battle of Any Fourteen, Caribbean cask. And that was the first time for me where I was like eureka moment. I quite like this stuff. I could mm. get into this. And it was a really cool moment just looking out on the lock. Uh, then, second would be a Tamdu 15. Uh, I got my job doing um, a tasting for uh, my boss and Gordon Dallas. Tamdu 15. I had a scenario that I was given where you're doing a, a one hour, or you're in the middle of a one hour masterclass in Whiskey Live London. Mm-hmm. This is your scenario for getting the job. You know, there's there's drams that have been before you. There's Brook Laddie, Classic Laddie. There's Glenfiddich 18. You know, last will be Lefroy Quarter Cask. Your third, your Tamdu 15. You've got 15 minutes. You need to make that the most impactful um, and the most memorable. And so that was my interview. And I did that. And I can go into more details at some point when I come back, if, I, if it's okay. Uh, and I'll go into kind of chat about how... Bring drums with you. Oh, well, absolutely. <laughs> well, well hopefully, hopefully, hopefully the next one will be us in Glengoyne. Yeah, that'd be class. Or Rosebank. Well, right? yeah, or both, you know. Yeah, yeah. We could do this two in the same day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, happy bus. Um, uh, so we could... Uh, yeah, I went for that. Um, so, yeah, long story short, I ended up getting the job, which was great. And um, Tumblr 15 was very special for me. I then go to Bennett's Bar in Edinburgh in Toll Cross, yeah. which is an absolutely yeah, class bar for anyone yeah, that's not been. Familiar um, with that, Graham. I'm in the wee jug bar, you know, the wee hidden yeah. bar. And, and uh, I ordered three Tamdu 15s, said quite loudly, just got the job as a, you know, Global Whiskey Brand Ambassador for Ian McLeod. Tamdu, you know, I'm going to be selling that. Can't wait. You know, I'm quite cocky and uh, very happy with myself my two best friends. And uh, I'm in the wee jug bar and out of nowhere, the um, the barmaid comes through and goes, oh, by the way, there's a, someone who wants to congratulate you. And I thought... Oh no, what have I said? Oh, what have I done? <laughs> and out of nowhere, the kind of door gets kicked in. It was a bit like a, a saloon and the kind of wild <laughs> a western. And it's just kind of like this larger than life uh, character. Who am I congratulating? And I was like, uh, I think it's me. Um, I'm not too sure. What, what, what's the deal? So that was Raymond, who owns a company called Glencairn Cristal. So that is the man who invented the Glencairn whiskey glass. The Glen- wow. Which we're all drinking out of which today. Which, yeah, we all have in France. If, Char- Glen- if Charles Doig is one of the most iconic images of whiskey, I would, I would argue the Glencairn Glen- is probably Glen- even Glen- more Glen- yeah. iconic. So he right? invented the glass. He invented it in the 70s. And there he was congratulating you he, for getting your job. He walked in and was like, 
Did they buy you a drum? He bought me three Tamdu 15s for me and my pals. Did they come in a wee tumbler? Uh, it was at, <laughs> do you know what? He was raging because they didn't have Glen Cairns. He was at, he actually because you're it. right, Bennett's don't generally yeah. have Glen Cairns. They have the small ones. They have the small little stubby ah, ones. But, uh, but right, right, it was a tumbler and uh, he was raging. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. He right. made a point of making a, making a point of that. But he put his arm around me. He says, I know your boss very well. Me and Lenny go way back. Lenny's always like, when are you going to drop the price of your Glen Cairns? And yeah. he's like, when are you going to drop the price of your Tamdu? You know, that kind of thing. But he said, congratulations, mate. You're going to absolutely love this career. Brilliant. You're going to have a great time. And he walked away after really congratulating me. He knows my boss and all that kind of stuff. And out of nowhere, three more Tamdu, 15 stand up from the wee hatch in the drug bar. Oh, so oh. that for me, like what? And that was Could, Raymond from Glen. Raymond who owns um, Glen Kern Crystal. So I mean, what a character, you know, Good and man. everyone that knows him, they know he's an, an amazing person. So yeah, thank you so much. And that, that for me would be, be one of my favorite drums. Yeah. The third would be the um, Smokehead Sherry Cask, which I'm going to pour into this oh, yes. really cool glass here and you get to experience it. So this is a glass we've designed. It's completely custom made. I think there's only a thousand that we've built. Um, built by Elliot Walker, who won uh, Blown Away, which is on Netflix. It's a glass blowing competition. This was then uh, hand chosen by what you call the Smokeheads. So we do have um, uh, societies you can join. If you want to join the Tamdu Society, go on to tamdu.com and join the Dedication Society. Uh, if you want to join Smokehead and become a Smokehead, just go on to smokehead.com and become a Smokehead and you can kind of uh, win a chance to win one of these, but also you get discounts on merch and and that kind of stuff as well. Now, what the Smokeheads have done is they've picked this out of a few different options. This is completely handmade, hand-blown. I think Elliot told me that you can only make about three a day. Um, and the whole purpose behind it is that it's got attitude, first of all. You can't see the color of it. You can only focus on that smell and aroma being completely amplified and turned up to 11. Now, no offense to Raymond, what he made with the Glencoe glass is absolutely fantastic. The whole purpose behind this is rethinking drinking. Yeah. This is turning up those aromas to 11, which is what's most Oh, sure, sure the camera, it, it, I guess, it, yeah. it really hits you. I mean, the, the, this, I mean, what you can't, like you said, you can't avoid it. Yeah. When it, it comes in and you, you, you Sometimes when you're, you're you're tasting whiskey, you have the nose and then you have the taste. Yeah, you have the nose and the taste at the same it time. It colours your nose while you're drinking, right? Yeah. It completely closes. You you can only get aromas. Hang on, hang on, stay there. I'll get a photo. That is a good that. photo. I get a photo. <laughs> In fact, there. I should probably get a wee selfie at this point as well. That was good. Mm. Take, a, take, a wee, take another wee swing of that. It was quite hard because <laughs> you have to kind of. Fantastic! He looks, he looks happy. Mm. He looks. Uh, <laughs> Hold on, I get one face on. Yeah. This is great dead air. <laughs> <That way. laughs> yeah, for anyone listening, uh, things are happening. <laughs> there you go. Great stuff, brilliant. So what mm. you've got there is uh, one of a thousand, and you can win one if you go on to smokehead.com. The uh, competition is still live. What we're going to do is we're probably going to look at making mm. it a wee bit cheaper in the future and trying to bring down the cost so that people can get them. Yeah. Um, but uh, so yeah. this is your this is your third. My third, Smokehead Sherry Cask. Um, same Sherry Cask you're looking at for Tamdu and Glen Goyne, mm. but it's Smokehead, so it's uh, Peated Isla. Um, what that's we'd... quite a strong ABV as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's 48%, 48%. so uh, it's non-chill mm. filtered as well, so it's got a big mouthfeel. I mean, yeah. for me, you get this sweet barbecue on the nose, yeah. and then you get this kind of Oloroso spice that really kicks in. It's mm. very, very spicy, and a very, very long finish as well. This lingers for a long time. And the reason why I'd say this is my third favourite was that I had the honour of 
uh, taking over in the middle of Amsterdam, one of the best bars in the world. Um, uh, so the owner is one of my idols, one of my bartending idols, and Tess Pothumus. She won uh, Netherlands Bartender of the Year, uh, and I was watching her videos when I was bartending at the Sheraton and. You know, I was enjoying my life, but I was also really struggling at that time. So to see someone as passionate at bar, as bartending as as I was was like an inspiration for me. So then I went to uh, Amsterdam and did a takeover with Smokehead at a bar that she owned. I met her, I gave her a Smokehead, and I told her the story about how I really struggled at one point. You know. Um, to kind of just function as a bartender. And the only thing I could do is throw myself into making cocktails and really appreciate them. And she was like, that means so much to me. So there's a, we took a photo together and, and got my arm around her and we had a wee drama smokehead together. And she said, anytime you want to come back and do some more takeovers and stuff like that, she's just opened up a third venue and she'd love to have us back. So Brilliant. she's one of the best bartenders in the world. Um, and uh, she looks at smokehead like the way that I look at it. It's a great dram. But it's an ingredient you can use in cocktails. And this, for me, is like, I mean, it can be the missing link between mezcal and, and, and single malt from Isla. Or it can be, you know, if it's the tequila cask, if it's this, this is a Manhattan. It's phenomenal. It's best right, cocktail. Wait, 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 uh, cocktail making runs in your family blood, is it not? Yeah, so I, I did forget to mention. Um, yeah, so I found out about a year into bartending at the Sheraton. So about 10 years into my career as a bartender that my dad was like, oh, you know, your uncle's a famous bartender. I was like, <laughs> Just telling me now, Dad. Like, just telling me now. Says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your uncle's a famous bartender. Um, so I did some research and kind of was like, okay. Your uncle's the- a famous bar steward. <laughs> <laughs> We're all bar stewards, really. We're all. Bar- <laughs> and your uncle. So your uncle was is, or was a famous. Was yeah, Uncle John Mitchell. Uh, Nineteen forty was considered one of the best cocktail bartenders in the world. Is what I found out after my dad told me this. He ran the bar, uh, the Regano in Glasgow, which sadly didn't survive the pandemic and it's now a Starbucks. I'm absolutely heartbroken. Oh. But it was the place to be. If you are, you know, anyone in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, you go to Scotland, you go there. Richard Burton, Liz Taylor, wow. all, quotes, all quoted as saying one of the best bartenders they've ever seen in their entire wow. life. But Frank Sinatra is quoted as saying the best gin martini in the world, Uncle John. Wow. Uncle John, Uncle so, and John, and he's my uncle. He's my great uncle John. So he's wow. my dad's uncle, right? Yeah. So uh, there is a story that goes that Billy Connolly was in New York. This is back when he was in his drinking days. Yep. And um, couldn't get a, a. I don't know what cocktail it was, but I think it might have been an old fashioned or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's in a bar late night uh, in New York, and the story goes that he gets that bartender to phone up Uncle John, who's in the Regano in Glasgow, and passes him over and tells the bartender how Doesn't to make the make cocktail. It. Wow. Yeah. So Aye. I find that out 10 years into my career. My dad just casually goes, yeah, your uncle's a famous bartender. So what? what, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so I, I channel, I channel my uncle John when I, whenever I'm doing bartending now, because it's, again, alcohol, the joke is it's not just in your blood, right? So it really yeah, is in your exactly, blood now. So yeah. for me, I did a takeover of one of the best bars in the world after I'd found this out, put my heart and soul into making this cocktail. And I, uh, I called it the first smoke of the day because you're in centre of Amsterdam and it's a smokehead with a coffee liqueur. So 50 ml smokehead, cherry blast, 30 ml coffee liqueur, a couple of uh, dashes of chocolate bitters and a couple of dashes of black walnut bitters, stirred down over ice and then I smoked it. Um, and it, it was just attitude. And it was, it was for me, Lovely. that was my little moment where I did a toast to a man that I never met. Yeah, so that was really cool. Lovely. I mean, Mike, look, 
I tell you what, you've come in here, you've given us some fantastic stories, you've given us some great whiskies, and uh, you know, I just I'm going to make sure I save this. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much for coming in. Pleasure. To, yeah, we, we topped the first episode. Did we top second, it? Yeah, well, did we top it? Absolutely. Well, listen, you've been listening to the Whiskey Stories podcast. A big thank you. As I said, we've this is uh, yeah. on, on International Scotch Day. It's important that we celebrate it. But thank you to our listeners. We've hit over a thousand listeners um, for yeah. the, for this podcast. I, I mean. As you're probably listening to this, we'll be probably at two thousand because we're, <laughs> we're a couple, we've got a few episodes still to come out. But thank you so much for everybody who's listening. Please carry on passing on the pod. If you know any whiskey drinkers, if you know anybody that likes a dram, yep. if you know anyone that's a whiskey geek and they've not listened to us yet, let them know. Please give us a like. Please give us some five stars. Please follow us. We are at the underscore whiskey underscore podcast on Instagram. Can I do a shout out as well? Please Absolutely. Do. Yeah, um, so we also run a whiskey podcast. Of course, now you've got oh, the, uh, the, the, yeah. the uh, no, Wh- whiskey unscripted. Whiskey unscripted, please. Yeah. So yeah, whiskey unscripted. Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, you name it. We've got a Facebook page as well. We have Facebook pages for um, Glengoyne Appreciation Society, Tamdo Appreciation Society. There will be a Rosebank one probably up and running at the minute as well. Glengoyne. Um, they always also uh, Edinburgh Gin's new distillery will be built and at some point this year it's next to the Waverley train station so that's right, that'll that's be a right. huge experience it'll be absolutely incredible Rosebank we're hoping to be open and customer facing by hopefully July um, Falkirk Council made us uh, buy a two story car park so that's what we're waiting on just right. now uh, but once that's up and running it will be an, an unbelievably um, important experience for a whiskey fan uh, and then we are building a distillery in Isla so that will be one thing we're doing. It's called Lagan Bay. We're hopefully breaking ground next year with that as well. Feel free to check our website on emacloud.com for more information about that. And we are building a distillery in India as well. So we've got oh, a lot of projects. That, a lot right. of projects going on. We've got we've not got we've got two we've not got enough time to talk. We've not no, got enough not, time. No, Mike, no, no, that, we'll save that for the next one. Yeah, save yeah. that for the third episode. Save that for episode <laughs> three. Yeah. Mike, thank you so much for My coming. My pleasure. In. And uh, listen, enjoy. Well, by the time you've listened to this, you'll have for- enjoyed and forgotten about <laughs> <laughs> Scotch Day, but enjoy it again whilst you're listening to us. Thank Put you very much. Thank you. Slanjava. Slanjava. Cheers.